Welcome to the Scale Model Podcast. In this podcast, we aim to entertain, inform, and promote the hobby of scale model kit building with interviews, reviews, and news about the hobby. The podcast is available bi-weekly where your favorite podcasts are found, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also get it from our website at scalemodelpodcast.com, where you can find show notes, photo gallery, and so much more. You can also subscribe to get notifications on all our updates, new episodes, and video content. Please support the Scale Model Podcast on Patreon. Patreon supporters enjoy early access to content and exclusive contests. Your Patreon support helps us to offset hosting and other costs to bring the podcast to you. Welcome to the Scale Model Podcast, episode 123, sponsored by Cult TV Man, Sean's Custom Model Tools, and Return to Kit Form. I'm your host, Stuart Clark, and the gang is all here. We actually have everyone, probably because it's episode 123. You know, we'll, we'll just call it the count episode or something like that. Let's, <clears throat> let's start off with our good friend from the North Shore of Lake Erie, where he is still going strong, running that event space. Mr. Jeff Highland, how are you, sir? I'm suffering from trying to do too many chores around the house to get it presentable for this this first wedding guest group. But ah, another two weeks and we'd be done with that first one. And then you have another one. See, you know, there's got to be some tax write-offs. No, no, no there's no money coming in, so there's no uh, tax write-offs. You're volunteering. You need to talk to your account, I'm just saying. Goodness of our hearts. All right. And then also making a return appearance from his world tour, that he's found a few days to come back into town. Mr. Anthony Goodman, how are you, hello, sir? Hello, hello, hello. I'm awesome. How are you doing, guys? Not bad, not bad. Pleasure to see you again. And then, yes. of course, from west of Chicagoland, wrangling wrangling dogs in check and all that other good stuff, it's Mr. Terry Beasley. Good evening. How are you tonight? Doing pretty good. That's good. You got rain little, uh, a, a little bit here and there. Yeah, same with uh, us. I'm, Operating low on sleep, but uh, that, yeah, that's what that's they true. are. It's been a busy couple of weeks. So, all right. So as always, uh, you know, you can always support the show via Patreon or buy me a coffee. You can check those out in the show notes at scalemodelpodcast.com. So let's get started with the latest news. The Musaru Cup. It's official. It's announced. Uh, they We did an unboxing. I worked with um, Just Making Conversation, and they did the unboxing at midnight UK time. It's an ICM 172nd Ural 4320 truck in Ukrainian service. And uh, this year, we're allowed to do whatever we want to it. So hmm. you can add stuff to it, all that. I, You know, it's a nice scale to work with. The build looks very good. I did an unboxing uh, review, which I've got linked to the uh, show notes there. Um, yeah, at least it wasn't a ship with a lot of fiddly photo itch. I heard rumors, Jeff, they're saving that for you. You're so kind. Well, that'll be two years from now. It's, it's Terry's yeah. turn or Anthony's turn maybe even next year. Might be. Yeah, I'll Might jump back be. in. Might be. <laughs> exactly. So, yep, we're allowed to do that. We have until March. Uh, we're allowed to do a base. We're allowed to do whatever we want to it, as long as it's recognizable as as the truck so uh they has a facebook group informed i'm still thinking about what i'm going to do all sorts of different ideas um i was thinking i just it just came to me i i saw somebody else posted a uh barbie fet on 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 facebook basically crossed my mind it crossed my mind yep totally crossed my mind yep i think you do a barbenheimer version of barbenheimer 
Perfect. That's an idea. Yeah, no, I, I debated that too. Uh, Chris Mettings is already going to do one as a destroyed one. Uh, he's already claimed that. So yeah, all sorts of but ideas. That's, but that's easy. That, that's easy. I mean, that means you can just screw up the model, smash it, and there's your destroyed well, one. A little bit more than that. <laughs> you know. But uh, nope. So some interesting ideas. I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it yet. Uh, but I have uh, taken it out, fondled the plastic, and that looks like a very nice kit, actually. So it should be fun. I remember being a kid doing those Matchbox 176 armor kits with a little display base in that. So, And you know what? The only time I've ever won an award, I don't enter contests often, was for a 172nd scale Airfix Mark I tank from the First World War. I won a third at one oh, of our shows. Lucky once. Omen. Yeah, that could be Kay. a Lucky Omen. So we'll have to see what happens there. Okay, moving on. IPMS Nats. So we're recording this on Monday, the 7th of August. Nats just finished. Uh, looks like another amazing, amazing show. There were 3,079 models on the table, gentlemen. And amazing. That's Absolutely incredible. amazing. Um, they have already linked. Uh, some people through the Facebook pages have linked the slideshow from the awards banquet. And we're going to scroll right down near, 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 near the bottom, uh, just to kind of look at the best of class awards. So, uh, best use of IPMS convention special decal. So this is one that you can, you can build a model using the previous decal sheet. From what I understand, this decal sheet of this F14 was from 2008. So, and then we have the best aircraft, Ken, Ken Roberts. And you can click on the individual one to uh, get in there. And absolutely gorgeous. Now, a couple of people asked, where's the prop? Well, it's off to the side on a special display base. If you look uh, o over yeah. the left wing, it wasn't broken. It wasn't missing. Uh, but again, absolutely gorgeous looking. This is a Devastator, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Look at the look at the opening in the air brakes there, etc. I, I was I was thinking that looked like a Dauntless. But maybe, I sorry, I Dauntless. No, maybe you're right. Someone's gonna gonna correct me. And yeah, then, the Devastators it has not more. Not sure where you are. <laughs> right near the bottom. Ken Robert Best aircraft. Just scroll all the way down. It'll take a while. Okay. Yeah. yeah grab the. Now is it is Ken Roberts the name of the sponsor? because i don't see anybody no, else's name no sponsors at the bottom there ken roberts best aircraft ken is the builder because it's odd because the same person who won the next the military one has a different name a ken gerber military. oh i see what you're saying they didn't have his it's actually uh it's actually then, george lee they should have they forgot his name there because he yeah okay that one actually won best in show as well our gerber yeah you're right yeah there's a bit yeah, they yeah. screwed up something there. Anyway, this vehicle, this is actually a Renault Caterpillar carrier from the first war. This is entirely scratch built. I know, it's insane. Yeah, it also won Best of Show. Um, and rightly so. Just absolutely gorgeous. Well, to be honest, when it comes to Best in Show, when it comes to Best of Anything at this place, I was I was blown away by the quality of the vast majority of these builds. I mean, oh, yeah. they were just Overall, <laughs> I would not want to, I've wanted to be a judge because it would yep. be pretty tough. Pretty tough. Yep. And then you've got a Japanese uh, rifleman for best figure. And again, just look at some of the detail there. You can actually click oh, to yeah. zoom in. It's wow. just scary. Oh, man. It reminds oh. me of why I don't do figures. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. And we have the best ship. 
Again, these were done quickly because they had to get the slides for the. Uh, but they're pretty good pictures. I mean, they're yeah. pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Good depth Best, of field. Yep. Best automotive. This bike, again, this was entirely scratch built. Yeah, that's very impressive. These are great photos, honestly. Oh, there we go. The, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know if you've noticed this uh, about our Wonderfest experience, Terry, but they, they didn't do a great job at posting the entries yeah. or the winners. It, like there was no awards banquet, which I kind of missed. You need organization like, for it. That's the thing. Uh, there's a there's a banquet, but there's no award ceremony, and that's probably not coming back. Yeah, but th that was a thing, and I remember in the past. Yeah, like, that was always a, that was always yeah. good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a good uh, it's a it's a you know completion uh, you know yeah. a, um, recognition for the people who got the awards. It, it's a uh, kind of a nice wrap up, and I was sort of surprised that it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. But they they were a little they didn't get there. Um, I'm not sure how quickly this appeared, this list of, uh, you know, winners and the photos, the entries and whatnot. But um, yeah, this is great. It's, it's, these are very clear and you, you can kind of see what. Yeah. This is where you need a dedicated photo team to do that. And that's mm -hmm. what they do. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, next up, speaking that's of Wonderfest, because this one is, was at Wonderfest. Yep. And it was the scratch built one to one four four Rebel Blockade Runner. Yeah. It was yeah. Awesome. Incredible. That's Bobble Youngs, and I'll get him on the show. We'll, we're going to talk yeah. to Bobble. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous. That's kit. just a stunning, stunning. And it's such a special it really kit. It, it when it flies, it has its own seat. Mm. Yes, he <laughs> buys he buys two seats, one for him, one for the kit. Well, it's yeah, it's yeah. he builds a crate for it, and that's right. Okay, yeah, you're going to have to. Best diorama. I love this one. I saw this one a couple of the first couple of days. The wine tasters return. <laughs> again a diorama tells a story <laughs> so you've That's got great. the military police and obviously these guys are are going by and they went oh shit the general's here and let's keep going <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome Very that's awesome uh and then we have uh miscellaneous this gorgeous looking engine pratt and whitney wasp engine i'm assuming that's scratch built I saw some other pictures of it from the side, and again, it looked absolutely. No, it's not. It's Williams Brothers kit. Oh, is it the Williams Brothers? Oh, yeah. So you're right. I did see some pictures of it, like from different angles, and again, gorgeous shot. Yeah, very clean. Uh, That's good. Yeah, and then we had People's Choice most popular model, and this was a nice little thing with the downing of Admiral Yamamoto's. Very good. You got very it right. Off. There you go. By a P38. And nice looking diorama there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then as I said, the uh the grand award was again that wonderful caterpillar, I believe, from art. Yeah, was, that's amazing. Yeah, slightly different angle on that. Absolutely beautiful. Um, yep, a lot of our other podcasts were there. Everyone seemed to have a good time. A couple of announcements. Andy's hobby headquarters announced their uh they released two more 116th kits, the Achilles, basically the same thing. The British Achilles M10 Tank Destroyer and the M10 Tank Destroyer, both in that monster 116th size. Um, Magic Factory had their 148th Corsair we've talked about before. Yep. And the link, is the link broken now? Oh, so it Yeah, is. we'll fix that. Oh, actually, no, it's there. It's just under the top contributor to be released. It works for me. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and then what else? Okay, Anthony, you got you want to talk about some Gundam news? 
Yeah, we can do a little Gundam uh, update. It's probably been a while, right? It um, has, because <clears throat> we don't know this stuff. We rely on you. Right. And I'm a veritable wealth of information, right? Mm-hmm. As I scroll all sorts to of, see what's All new. sorts of, again, <laughs> dozens and dozens of releases. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much going on with this franchise that a lot of the news is uh, not exactly model related. But I, this, this is something... Uh, of interest for me and probably for a lot of people is that you know this isn't hot off the presses but uh, forgive me uh, about about a month or so ago two months ago maybe the it was the 200th master grade model so that was uh oh, wow. how it was released it was a um version katoki of the venerable zeta gundam and uh so there's been a couple different versions of this kit this is from the classic 1985 series arguably one of the best series of of gundam animation um the lead machine um and it got the katoki version so uh hajime katoki is a mecha designer and uh model model maker he's been around for a long time and he's his uh claim to fame is that uh he put a very kind of mechanical, realistic spin on a lot of sort of established designs. So he'd kind of upgrade them and make them a bit a bit more technical looking, mm-hmm. if you will. So they're covered in stencils like you'd find on a, you know, a modern fighter jet, that kind of thing. Uh, and then they're always refining the engineering on these kits. So this is, I think, the third master grade uh, version of the Zeta. And uh, there was one back in the 90s when they first released that uh line of model kits and they were supposed to be kind of more uh advanced more in depth they're larger scale at one to 100 so it's a beautiful looking kit and they've tried to capture it transforms it it transforms from a like a jet mode basically Mm -hmm. into the the mecha mode um and they tried to capture that so that you don't have to take parts off so when you see it transform in the show so in its in its native environment it you know the, you don't have to there's no large hand coming in to take something off and then stick it back on once a, some pieces happen it kind of happens in this mechanical uh magical way right so they've tried to recreate that in the engineering so you don't have to take something off with your hand and stick it back on to keep it more you know true to the source material so that's mm-hmm. a beautiful kit and then that's that's been out um i think we saw them for sale at wonderfest i think one of our traveling companions grabbed one um, looks like a beautiful kit. So that that's a really notable uh, release. And I did watch a few um, breakdown videos where they, you know, they do the parts review and all that stuff. And it does look pretty fantastic. I'm, I may have to get one. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, there's a, there's a couple interesting things coming up. There's another uh, film for there was a the one of the latest series is called Hathaway's Flash, and that was a um, I think it was a series of novels from the late 80s by the creator uh tomino and uh nothing ever happened other than these these uh novelizations or no- novels they were um <clears throat> just a kind of a not a relic but kind of just that they just what they were a novel and they recently got uh um it Really came out as a as a movie trilogy. Part one came out, I think, in twenty twenty one, and uh, so it's a three part movie series. 
the set we just got news that the second part is in production so and it, the first part was astounding it was amazing and it had a whole set of mobile suits and a whole story and and returning characters from the original shows uh i thought it was super well done really liked it it was kind of a bit more serious kind of aimed at older fans or the adult fans and uh it was really cool the, the model kits that came out from that series were awesome and we, we've talked about something before the penelope and the mm -hmm. i think it's the kasai gundam and yeah it's they're tremendous right and so we got some news that the second film installment is is uh in production which is pretty awesome and you can catch it on netflix and it may not make a lot of sense to uh not a, like a great starting point if you're interested about gundam but it is a beautiful film and a neat story and of course there's a ton of new model kits coming out and i'm going to flip over to gundam info to see what it says august 2023 gunpla lineup Holy moly, full mechanics, 100 scale, Forbidden Gundam. Wild stuff. Absolutely a ton of stuff. And again, yeah, it's just gonna, reinforces I'll give you the, how I'll give you the top three here. So we yep. have, let me just see what we've got here. So like I mentioned, the Forbidden Gundam from Gundam Seed. And there we have the 144 scale, Oltlind. Uh, a 144 scale Gundam Rose and a Gundam Calibarn. And these are the last one from The Witch from Mercury, which is the current TV show that is airing right now. So it has a whole slew of mobile suit kits and new mobile suit designs. It's quite interesting. So just a ton of stuff. It's hard to keep up with all of it. Well, they just keep, you know, it's, it's bigger and bigger. I did notice they have one from uh, Mega House G Structure from uh moto uh from gundam the witch from mercury it's like yes. a like a launch bay or a transport container that looks kind of cool yeah there's, there's so diorama. much interesting stuff from that and the, the recently that tv show um stirred up a little bit of controversy in in uh in i guess the the fandom press and oh, all that really? stuff where do tell yeah do so tell. this this show, The Witch from Mercury, I think it's just in its first season. People are watching every episode as it comes out. And they've been really, Bondi's been really good about getting the translated versions almost at the simultaneously as it's airing on Japanese television. Mm -hmm. So the in it's a it's a bit of a, um, it's aimed, I think, at more of a teenage, younger market. They're trying to bring fans to the, to the uh, franchise. It's set in an alternate world uh as opposed to you know the original series and zeta and you know the the one i mentioned um hathaway's flash mm -hmm. so it's kind of a new thing they've often brought in new talent new writers um you know to kind of do it like a take on gundam and they can do their own thing if it's an alternate world um so in this one it's aimed at uh, a younger fan base it's also sort of an uh an interpretation of the tempest and it's set in sort of a high school uh, environment so you can yeah. kind of see they're aiming it a bit at that age group and of course they have all these model kits to to market as, as well along with it so and in the story the it's kind of it's a little bit i haven't kept up with all the episodes but um there was some kind of relationship between uh two the two characters they are um part of these different schoolhouses and they have to compete with their mobile suits for like to win, not to the death, 
but they're they have all these duels and it's all based on these different houses dueling i guess kind of like a harry potter style thing mm-hmm. they duel for who's the you know the head house or whatever and they have these mobile suits and the mobile suits are like are basically these different things being tested for all these corporate sponsors uh if that kind of sums it up and then there's all these rules set up for these duels right and you know the winner sort of can define the the what the um you know what the spoils of are mm-hmm. you know, the result of the duel and so in in one of them the, the this person the the main character the witch from mercury her name is Saletta, and she she wins a duel and then is like pledged to marry this other person and, and it, it's a another girl right so there's sort of this lesbian take on mm-hmm. uh anybody can get married it's just part yeah. of the yeah. um and it may not be describing it very well but bondi um there had been an interview with the voice actors who were doing, you know, these characters and they were discussing sort of the, the plot points and the motivations of the character and whatnot. And they were kind of talking about it. Like it was a set thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's a lesbian relationship. Um, You know, there's these gay characters and they're just part of the, you know, the fabric of the cast or whatever. But then the, the head honchos at, at Bondi visual uh, through an interview in Gundam Ace, which is a, like a kind of a news magazine um, kind of walked it back and sort of edited out oh, dear. <laughs> parts of the people's yeah. comments. So of now the, that's going to get everyone on both sides up in arms. Sure. There's never, there's never yeah. a good, there's never a good reason for the corporate to get involved in that kind of thing. No. Yeah. No. But the problem was, is that it's a paper, like, I think you can buy Gundam Ace at the newsstand, which is still kind of a big part of Japanese, um, con- like, pop culture consumption. And they went ahead and ed- re-edited the, like, digital version because they could. Okay. Uh, and then wrote something about, well, we we want <sighs> to leave it, we want to leave it as an open interpretation, which is fine, right? Because a lot of pop culture products or just that you interpret the way you the way you read it and um yeah so it's kind of an interesting thing but that's right in the news um you know that's the big news about this stuff and yeah and then you get your model <sighs> kits and you get your pathways flash part two is coming and hey this is an interesting one gundam creator yoshiyuki tomino honored as a person of cultural merit that's kind yeah. of an interesting thing that's he's getting good. a bit older so mm-hmm. he might be at I, th- I believe that he's sort of uh I mean, he's been he's been very active, but I think that he's slowing down, and it yep. may be his last uh, project coming up. Um, that was some speculation. Okay. And uh, there was another neat one. I, I'll, I'll I'll slip in there real quick if mm-hmm. I can find it here. They're talking about um, Gundam styled manhole covers that are being installed <laughs> in different cities around, uh, and they're really neat. They're like yeah. very very artistic, and they're obviously built to last. Like they're full on. Uh, manhole. Where did I you, see that? You, 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 you know, Anthony, the conspiracy theories are going to start. <laughs> you know this. Children, right? don't go in the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> there's uh, no model kits down there. Yeah, there's. there's it's a launch easy... bay. It's a launch bay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is too the... late, mother. I live in the yeah. sewer now. <laughs> <laughs> but there are these really neat. Um, I'll have to find the link and post it. Okay, so throw it up. Out. Yeah, we'll do yeah, that in the show neat. notes as well. So there all you right. go. You're all caught up on your. There you go. News. That's awesome. Okay, uh, sci-fi. So, uh, small space, which we've talked about in the past. It's a nice little show in the in the UK, not far from where my parents were. Um, 
my good buddy Phil Parker does a lot of stuff for Model Railroad, Garden Railroad. He was there and he had some photos. And again, this is an awesome show if you're into like British, particularly British sci-fi. We talked about it last year. So Phil has some awesome photos from the show, some Doctor Who stuff, uh, silent running stuff, force field generators, cool. space 1999, Blake 7, you know, you name it, it was there. And this is a great little show. I'd love to attend sometime. Mm-hmm. So just some great pictures. So I threw up Phil's album, and I also threw up the actual website for the show. And it's literally in a in like a public village hall every year. And they have the they had the Who Mobile, which was kind of cool to see. It's been a while since that's been out. So if you're a lover of British sci-fi, you're going to recognize a few things here. So I just had to include include that. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it is. It's a very distinctive sci-fi style, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cyberman heads, all kinds of goodies. Yeah. All sorts awesome. of good yeah. things, exactly. Alrighty. So uh Anthony's also he managed to get us a special prize. Oh yeah. So to uh to coincide with our excellent and in-depth interview with Rob Booth, Secretary of IPMS USA. Uh, I was able to secure a special prize. This is called the special prize. And you know what it is? It's a free membership to um, IPMS USA for one year, care of the executive board. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And uh, yeah, so to get in on that sweet action, please send your whip to scalemodelpodcast at gmail.com. All of our Patreons, you're automatically into it. Yep. And this, if you're already a member, this will just cover your next year. And if you're not a member, hey, now you've got uh, access to entering the contest at next year's NAT. So you can start planning right now. You're going to get the really cool magazine that they put out. And uh, you'll be able, you'll be, a, you'll have membership. You can vote on the, on the upcoming election to help steer where that's going. And to hear more about um, what's been happening, you can go back, I think, two episodes to episode 122. No, 121, and hear the first part of our uh, interview with Rob Booth, and you can hear part two later on in this episode. Exactly. Okay, mailbag. Not much in the mailbag because everyone was at Nats. Um, So, as always, if you want to, if you want to write us, scalemodelpodcast at gmail dot com. Okay, hobby announcements. So uh, we did talk about trumpeters. Uh, 132nd scale TBD that came out, the Devastator. Well, of course, not far behind are the aftermarket items. So Airscale Pro has a bunch of sets. The Devastator cockpit set for 27 pound. Full on cockpit update. And it does it does look nice. Yeah, it, they, it does. I think it really dresses it up. And there's some stuff that just frankly is better as 3D printed. Yeah, like exactly. that dual thirty caliber mount in the mm-hmm, back, mm-hmm. and a lot well, of those—that's those, actually available those, uh, separately. Yes. Oh, good, good, because a lot of those devastators—they had that last set of canopies just just removed. It wasn't worth yeah. putting on, so those guns were always available. Yep. So you got the you got the twin M nineteen nineteen thirty cal midway twin mounts for seven pound fifty. Again, very nice three D printed. Yeah, complete with the mount to fit the yeah. kick. Kit Scunner's ring structure, 3D printed. Uh, fine detail. Yeah, just absolutely gorgeous. And then you have the early wheel set for £5.95. Wow. 
That's and really you've got else, the late eh? wheel set. Yeah, a lot of people have been waiting for this kit. And then of course you got the wing fold inserts. Yeah. And like I said, when when some of the guys have started building it, they've had issues with you know the quality of of the wheels, especially and some other stuff. But yeah, yeah but the wing do. folds look look great and they Gorgeous. use bits of the kit parts as well. Yeah. yeah. So that utilizes the kit hinge. Yeah, that hinge so as styrene should be a little bit better than most of the 3D mm-hmm. printed bits mm-hmm. for strength wise anyway. Less yeah. Fragile, less uh yeah. 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 I think it's I yeah, think it's it looks excellent. Nice. Yep. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing some completed works on the tables in the future. I think it'll be it'll it'll come up really nicely. Okay, next up, uh our friends at MiniArt. They've got 135th scale, perfect for your diorama. A 250-gallon water trailer, the water buffalo, coming soon. I suppose you could put wine in, too. That's awesome. <laughs> but back in Scouts, back in the 70s, and we they, we always had these. They yeah. were always around at the big events because there was no running water anywhere. Right. So they'd bring them in. Yeah, it was... <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, our friends in the modeling news have, have some pictures from the original uh, product showing I all love the it. different things. Yep. I'm going to have to get one of these just to have yep. it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. They did use them. Yep, fleet service, all sorts of stuff. Uh, I love it. During the the, go ahead. It's one of the things I like about mini art is when, particularly on their, their page, they put a lot of good archival photos of the of the vehicles in use. Yep. Yeah. And, like these are just really like worth their weight in gold, just the pictures themselves. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The cool. sprues look good. Has some photo etch as well. A couple and of different details. Their subjects used. are just, just yep. outstanding for all the diorama bits and everything and tractors to pull stuff around. And so the it's military, great. military air transport service, Andrews air force base in Hawaii in 49. Europe during the war, 1950 in Germany, unknown unit, medical department, U.S. Army, 42 to 45, North Africa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm buying I one would, of these. Yeah, I would do the Andrews, <laughs> Andrews Air Force Base for sure. That looks yeah, so cool. Exactly. Okay, Trumpeter in October. A uh, couple more. So the 35th scale short-range anti-aircraft defense system. This is the 96KS Panzer BAZ69096909. Eight-wheeled heavy track. Precisely molded 30-millimeter twin twin machine guns and anti-aircraft missiles. That's going to be a big oh. kit. 900-plus parts, 29 sprues. That's big. A lot of fiddly parts, I would think. I I, I want to go back to the mini art. To, guys, look at the this. There, there's more as you scroll down that. Oh page. yeah, there's their other releases. Yeah, <laughs> the full the figures they do are just fantastic. Yeah, they got the waiters and all French that. civilians, waiters, yeah, auto travelers, the tank crews. There's Soviet and U.S. tank crews, and they yep. look like Soviets and U.S. <laughs> I don't know how they handle all those all those skews. Yeah. They literally have hundreds. It's of amazing, skews. right? Yep, yep. This is incredible. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I'm glad you drew that to our attention, Terry. I didn't. Yeah, know. I didn't even look that far. French the milk, civilians, uh, the auto milk travelers. Yeah. Uh, the milk delivery van. French civilians. <laughs> yes, including Father I mean, Renoir. Obviously, there were no women in France at the time. Yeah, there's Monsignor. Monsignor <laughs> yeah. Renault, yes. 
Oh, I think I have this uh, tank crew kit. Is this new? No, some Supposedly of these have been out new. for a month or two. Yeah, they've but... been out for a little bit. Not long, though. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, God, you gotta love it. Uh, yeah. Some of these might be just re- They could be re-releases. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the U.S. machine guns that I believe I've seen before. But, I mean, it's just useful stuff, right? Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. They, they're very, very productive. They are. They do a ton of different stuff. Okay, back to the other one. Also, Trumpeters has the another another Ukrainian target, the 148th Mi-17 Hip H helicopter, often used often used as a target in in in, in Ukraine. Bam. Yeah, was this the one that they took that video of that just got shot down and cruised into a field? Oh, probably. Yeah, a there's, few videos there's the one video where two of them were shot down, but yeah. yeah, I don't know what they were. No, well, you could always pretend. Close enough. Yeah, a lot of different schemes. <laughs> Indian Air Force in this one. 160 parts, eight sprues. Canopy from clear parts, photo etched included. Canopy looks nice. At least you got some masking. Yeah, that's. they've always done a very nice job uh, Yeah. of including the masking kits, right? As like a regular yeah, uh, feature or a regular bonus to their they sets. Have. Exactly. All right. Um Bobby Bobby Boss. Three Panzers, three scales in September. So first off in 148th, the Panzer IV type F2. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not a Panzer guy, so I'm sure there's a difference compared to other Panzer fours. Yeah, I was gonna say what what panzers are left to get kitted? Well, you know, designed as an infantry support tank. Was not originally intended to engage enemy armor. Oh. But they assume do the tank fighting role. Uh, six sprues, lots of tracks, 250 parts of photo etch. And then 135th, the Jag Panzer three or four. Mm-hmm. It always reminds me of a of a um a Jag Panther that's kind of gone in the press and been kind of squished down. Yeah. It's different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like it has a bit of a different profile than kind yeah, of it does. Uh, yeah. we're probably most familiar it's, with. Yeah. It's kind of a assault gun sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Decals, 11 sprues, uh, 330 parts, individual tracks, and some photo etch. And then, you know, 116th scale. What else do we need in 116th? Of course, a tiger. Another tiger. Tiger Another one tiger with the one. early tiger. There is a difference, apparently. So again, this will be a big. This will be a big boy. Wow! Yeah, it was the first tank mounting the eighty-eight. Wow! Oh, look see. at all the screws. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, listeners, for your reference, this one-sixteenth scale kit is two hundred and one dollars forty-eight cents U.S. Yeah. And is available at Hobby Link Japan. Eighty eighty parts, or sorry, eight hundred parts. There's more than there's more than eighty. Sorry, there's more than eighty. Yeah, twenty six sprues, track links. Yeah, rubber nylon parts included, and some of the parts come bagged individually. And then, of course, as Terry says, the screws to put all. Look at all the screws. Yep, screws. Build your own. Your own tank. It's like an IKEA project. Yeah, they're not going to screw you around. But hey, interestingly, oh, in, waka waka. In, the, <laughs> in the interestingly in the uh, 
the write-up here about it there so there's a over a thousand um units built uh yeah. between it says here august 42 and august mm -hmm. 44 so it was uh something that was around very popular tiger yeah you know so this, this must be one of the one of the sort of i'm not more surprised this is yeah i'm not surprised variations. this is out in that scale yeah it seems yeah. proving very popular as we've seen from you know andy's hobby they just released those two m10s Right. And, um, oh, oh, oh you're getting stuff. ahead of yourself. You're getting ahead of yourself. No, no, I'm just no didn't we talk about we it? We talked about it at the show. Yeah, we had a show. Oh, it was the pre-show. The pre-show. Yeah, pre right? uh, yeah. Well, no, and they also talked. We also talked about it. Um, it was a Nats announcement, so we did talk about it. I so, stand corrected. You stand corrected as well. You should, sir. As well, I should. Yes. All right. So, Black Dog. Speaking of a company that just keeps throwing out amazing things mm -hmm. more and more of it look at all this list here you got 172nd centaur tank accessories africa house base um a lot of stuff for your mirages your skyhawks your big skyhawks you know just just tons the yeah IPG models centaur, centaur tank base with the accessories they really a lot of kind stuff. of remind me of the old of uh, the old Verlinden releases. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of the similar, yeah. similar packaging too. A lot similar of stuff for the A4 Skyhawk. Similar like subjects, almost yep. like they're covering yep. the same types of accessories that they yeah, you can as the oh. same sort of high, uh, yep. high quality exactly. detail. And they're just doing some amazing stuff. Like look at the engine and the lightning for the one. Yeah, you like, can, the one seventy yeah. seconds. You can open yeah. up all the panels for those A7s yeah. and A4s and such. Yeah. That's this awesome. is the best uh, MI8 engines for the helicopter, which is a nice touch because that one, yeah, when they open the panels up, that does look good on the MI8. That That's is always a neat. I love seeing airplanes with the panels opened up, like yep. uh, in model kit form. It's always a, it's always a thrill. It's always so fascinating. Yep. Kudos to the the builders out there doing a lot that. of stuff for the Kinetics Mirage 2000 cannons and radar. Mm -hmm. All sorts of goodies. Of yeah. course, the big set yeah, combining. Pretty... Thirty yeah. seconds crew scale U.S. carrier deck crew guys as well. Yeah. Where's Stop that? I haven't got that far. Yet. All the way down at the bottom. Yeah. U.S. Army <laughs> clothing. British soldier with a pigeon from the First World oh. War. Well, you know they were used. Why not? Yes. Yeah, yeah they were used sort of commonly, right? Yeah. Oh, very good. Used for snacks. And number one and number two. So the pigeons in flight. Number two. And then you can get it. Yeah. You're always worried about number two. Yeah. Spine electronics <sighs> for the Skyhawk and 132nd scale. I know. He's here all week. Buy the shrimp. Uh, I kill myself. Well, you're killing us too, but you know, that's another story. <laughs> oh, and then they got the A7 Corsair from Trumpeter, 132nd. A lot of the magazine and detail upset. Again, if you're going to build them at scale, it makes so much sense. Your your freaking your 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 scroll finger must be like Olympic quality muscle. That's <laughs> what I train for. Up. See, <laughs> oh, and see okay. the mouse. He's... The mouse changes color too. You see, it's no kidding. Oh my god. Okay. The, sorry. Did you guys muscle. mention the, these deck crew? They're this is no. We're not there. Here two? we go. Finally got to them. Yeah. That's okay. great. Deck crew Look number one. Deck crew number two. Thirty second scale. And then the combined set. See, I'm not as quick as Anthony. He was already down there, Joe. No, I was. Just I was like, 
scrolling <laughs> rapidly to try and get there. These are these World War Two era. I don't like they look. They don't recognize. They are. Them. Yeah, they're World War Two. Okay. I was thinking of. Uh, I'm most familiar with like modern modern era stuff. No, this, this looks like World War Two. Definitely look at pieces. Very yeah. cool. Good stuff. This is the good stuff right here. A ton of stuff from those guys. Always good stuff. Okay, our good friends at Special Hobbies, because they update their website frequently, so I like to include them. Uh, they're going to release a Super Mystere in 148 scale. I know a lot of people like French uh, French aircraft, so this is the Golden Air. This plane Air. wins best name of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super yep. Mystere. That's yep. great. And the French, you know, they delight in flying ultra low. They still do that today. If you want to have yeah, some they fun, do. <laughs> go, to you, you, go to YouTube, look up low level French Air Force. And these guys are nuts. I mean, like, yeah, wow. you know, Maverick may buzz the tower, but these guys like buzz the fish. <laughs> Wowza. So, yeah, they're That's just a th- nice looking plane. Yep, it is. It's a very nice golden era 5060. Yep. It's a French saber, Basically. super yes. saber, yes. yeah, saber, yeah, French super saber. Yep, they do a nice job. All righty, and then I found this. I had to, I had to add this green stuff world. So we get a lot of green stuff world through um, uh, Flexifa when they come to our shows, mm-hmm. and that. Mm-hmm. they got all sorts of stuff. They now have an UV curing putty, green stuff world UV putty is a specialized one component putty. So the idea is you gap fill it and then you hit it with a UV light. Cool. Yeah. You can apply it with a paintbrush, a palette knife, uh, layering capabilities, gap filling, super quick. The curing time depends on the distance from the ultraviolet light source and the thickness of each layer. Using the GSW ultraviolet torch, it can be dried promptly for further processing. Just make sure you close the lid on the rest of it. Just saying. Right. Um, this is yeah. interesting. Cure with uh, an yeah, ultralight. 15 seconds. Does, does anybody have any experience using this type, like anything UV activated? No, never have. I do. Yeah. Here he does. Yeah. It's like yeah. dental stuff, isn't it? Uh, like similar. It's- and don't think it's that hard, but yeah, very similar. Yeah. And did you have a nice video explaining how to use it? Yeah. This stuff's yeah they, they also make the liquid UV curing uh, product. And th- th- that's really useful for a lot of stuff because it's got yeah. a little bit of give to it. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, you know what? So I this think? is this Go is ahead. like using an epoxy putty where you would do a lot of the work ahead of time and then cure it. Okay. Yeah. So you you would you would remove excess. You would do all that. I wonder how hard it is. Well, mm-hmm. sounds like it, it, it does a something job. to try. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If you, have you guys scrolled down just a little bit below all the little uh, emotion emoticons? Where it has uh, the the running sort of script of different four different ads for different products. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's the with the Aussie one? Oh man, what is that? It's <laughs> it's modular. It's, it's going by so quickly. Air Force. Oh, it's the escape pod. Yeah, it just comes with the escape pod. But that, yeah, that's but like I, I, yeah, that's really the kangaroo. Hope, that's the mascot. I hope it comes with a kangaroo. It might. <laughs> Because that is an awesome kangaroo. Okay. That was from Reskit. That if was you, from Reskit. Yeah. If you yeah. click on it, you can get the opening. So what what it is is the it's one three second scale. It's an F one eleven C 
Pig Escape Pod Crew Module Royal Australian Air Force Resin Model Kit, $119.99. Yeah, it yeah. It's sold out. It does come with the figure. Wow. <laughs> we just need to does. put, you know what? You know what you know what we can do? I get it for the figure. You know what we have to do for that figure, Jeff? We just have to get some antlers on it. We'll have our moose aru. I'm telling you, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's this sold out, though. Ripped. Sold out. Uh, a rip roo. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's a freakish looking <laughs> Awesome. That's Sorry. Hilarious. That's okay. You got to... guys. That's all right. That's all right. We forgive you. All right. Uh, next up, Halberd Models. They're going to release the F-35 Goblin in September, 132nd and 148th scale. Terry, this is the kind of thing that would sound like like up your, up your alley. Yeah, the XF-85 Goblin. They've got one at the Air Force Museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we looked yeah, at this, um, didn't we? Oh, yeah, you can't not look mm-hmm. at it. <laughs> yeah, it's so wild. Look away, um, look away. Yeah, it's just, just, I mean, it flew. Yeah. Did, talk did about... they not drop, they dropped this off a plane, did they not? Yeah, yeah it was yeah, a parasite. Yeah, about B-36s. Yeah. Um, there have been kits of this before. Yes. I think special hobby or check models produced some. But they're going to do it in 32nd and 48th. Yeah. So the idea behind this, Anthony, is that they designed this as what was called a parasite fighter. They right. actually had it slung under under a B-36. Mm-hmm. So the idea was when they went on ultra-long missions, if fighter opposition came up, um, the fighter pilot would drop down into the thing. They'd release it. He'd go do his mission, and he would come back and dock up with the uh, with with the B thirty six again. Insanity. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll put a uh, video in yeah. the uh, things was, we've seen. It was pretty cool, and it's got the it looks like it's yeah. got the stand and everything. So that's very cool. I do remember uh, uh, Terry and we were with our friend Neil. We were at the Air Force Museum, um, and we were looking at this, and it's it's so small that it just it seems yeah. so deadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting uh footnote in aviation history yeah sure. and i don't know how i missed this one but i'm I knew I th- it Terry, was probably Terry safer than the over. um yep. what did they call the ones where they were uh attached at the wings yeah to hold those, on i forget oh, that god yeah ficons no ficon was no um something like that yeah anyway, anyway it's probably safer than that yeah okay well this is one i forgot to post but i, I figured yeah terry i knew would be all over it also from Halberd, the Republic XP-47H. Pre-orders, oh, yeah. 132nd and 148th. Yeah. You got one in your... Oh, yeah. yeah. I've which, pre-ordered it. Which one did you pre-order, <laughs> the 48th or the 32nd? For, 48th. Oh, go. I hope so. Yeah. That's for the Tamiya kit. Yeah, you better. <laughs> Otherwise, you got to find a 32nd scale trumpeter kit. Exactly. Yeah, one month production time. Yeah. And again, this is, again, from Halberd is in the Ukraine. So they're dealing with all sorts of crap. Yeah, that is just a nice looking aircraft. Good on them for uh, keeping going. They keep going. They pick some great subjects. Yeah. Yeah. Harry gets a Christmas card from them every year. I I hope so. I I have said um, (laughs) the uh, their their casting is immaculate. And I saw someone building one of the um, one of the Seahawks and they're taking it a step further and putting all the rivets and all the access panels and everything on it. Nice. Cool. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. 
Um, then SBS has released a 3D printed Bristol Mercury engine set for the Airfix 170 second scale Bristol Blenheim, the Mark One. Hmm, yes, I have that. Aeroscale just uh, they're they're just keep going. They used to do all photo wedge stuff, and now they've moved along. Yep. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Aeroscale is the the website. Sorry, right. I got mixed up between the old company, but yeah, this SBS, is SBS. SBS, but just yeah. gorgeous. Absolutely yeah, really nice. Gorgeous. Yeah, and, and bear in mind, this is 170 seconds. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that is uh, very impressive. That's a they have yeah. a lot of different scale 16 stuff, right? Euros, so 16 euros you can get it for. Yeah, they have a lot of cool things. You actually. Yeah, the, it's a rabbit hole there. You know, everything yeah. from it, all the stuff for the interior, the bombardier gunner section of a B-17G to, you know, yeah, just seats and everything. It's amazing yeah. work. I don't remember if it was them or someone else, but they did the they did the Merlin engine conversion for the Bowfighter in 72nd. And I've got mm. two Bowfighter 72nd kits, and that would be very interesting to try. Um, it's on my wish list one day. But anyway, yeah, that's that's nice. And that's a very good, highly rated kit, that Airfix. A lot of people waited for that. And that looks very, very nice. Okay, let's go over to Scalemate, see what's new. So we do full kits, new tool, new tool only. It is August the 7th today. We have the Lancelot drone from IGAM, IAGM scale models in 135th scale. The Lancet? Um, yeah, yeah. 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 Yak 15 feather in three different scales. Ultraman. Ultraman. Ultraman from Bandai Spirits. That's yeah. for he's he's pretty popular in Japan, isn't he, Anthony? Yeah, Ultraman's been around for a long time. I think it maybe started out in the 60s, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I think I think so. And there's a new series. So this yes. is this yeah. is based on the new series. Yeah, okay. there's been a lot of uh various TV shows and, and movies and whatnot, and they've all sort of had uh you know figure model kits accompanying them so yeah ultraman z yeah that must be a new thing so bondi spirits is basically um it, they, it's like their limited edition kind of i i thought the whole company of. anything model related now is bondi spirits huh uh, like under oh. that yeah like how they have bondi visual is the um sort of animation production interesting they did, did a uh, reorg yeah. a couple of months ago, yes. That, yeah, actually, it might have been a year or two ago because, uh, but, but yeah, it, it was, it used to be that Bondi would uh, sort of partner up with Sunrise, and Sunrise was the animation studio, and it was a, a very big one that had a lot of money um, and a lot of uh, production capability. But at one point, Bondi bought Sunrise and so it became Bondi Visuals. And hmm. that was the producer, right? Because it was always that the Bondi was the one putting up the money right. for as the toy right. sponsor kind of, right? Yeah. For these productions, but they just got so big and Bondi be, uh, it took on Gundam kind of as their flagship model kit line. Cause they used to do everything. I remember seeing uh, in the seventies, um, I think 76 scale, like World War II armor from Bondi. Like there's some vintage kits out there from that. They used to do oh. a bit more stuff, but yeah. Uh, and they still do. They still do cover a whole bunch of different um, like character franchises and like uh, other vehicles and whatnot. But just yeah. Gundam's just taken off in such popularity. But yeah, so Bondi Bondi Spirits, I believe, is the sort of model kit um, part of the organization. Cool. And then we have from Model Factory um, Hero 
the Honda oh, RS yeah. 301, 68 British Grand Prix and French Grand Prix. Listen oh. without the spoiler. Yeah, I know that'll get Jeff drooling. Oh my God. This is a second mortgage waiting to happen. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> How much is that going to cost? <laughs> a lot. Yes. Ballcart. Ball. Is it going to be? Is it going to be two hundred dollars plus? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I'll multiply you... it by a few. Uh, really? Is it a five hundred dollar model kit? At least. Hang on. Maybe. Let me find it on the website. Let me see. Uh, one twelve scale full detail. That's if they even have it yet. Not yet. Uh, but yeah, the uh, model factor hero one twelve scale kits are astronomically expensive. Eighty two hundred, wow. eighty two thousand yen for a Lotus Type eighty eight. Okay, so that's about eight hundred bucks. Yep. Yeah. 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 Wow. Are, yep. Yeah. These these things are the top dot. Like if you wanted to build the best model car. This is the yes. wooden sailing ship of the car world. This would be what you'd get. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, I, we amazing. did forget one. I noticed they're on here is Model Factory. They did release their 1700 scale, the brand new CBN 7078, the USS Gerald Ford. So this is the brand new Ford Ford class US mm -hmm. aircraft carrier in the big 1700 scale. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, yeah but you skipped right past. The 1969 Pontiac Grand Prix. I know, but I wanted to point out I had it actually in the in the new stuff, but I missed it. I so now we'll go back to the Grand Prix to keep you happy. Okay. <laughs> just to sort of to go on the opposite side of the scale from from I gotta, the Honda. I gotta, I gotta keep you on your toes. Gotta keep you on your toes. It's a 3D nice. print, so yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So from I, August I, the fourth, yep. My father-in-law had one of these used to take my girlfriend on dates my my wife on dates and one of these things didn't have the best front seats so i'm just saying good catch so you'd have to use the back ah. seats what can you say you know um the six yeah i wonder you know and uh, you know enough hood there to like plant an acreage oh no kidding those are ridiculous enough, enough trunk space for a couple of bodies okay you, you, you camp in the engine bay yeah no kidding it reminds <laughs> me of i i first learned to drive on a 73 monte carlo same thing. Yeah, Same thing. Huge. yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, then we have August 3rd. We've covered the M10. Oh, this was another one. That's where it announced this at Nats. The 8.8 centimeter Flock Omph 9T Veomag. So it's like a another anti-aircraft gun. I've never seen anyone do it before, but that's yeah, it's cool. a flak on a Vomag truck. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool though. Brand new tool. Uh, what else here? What's this Mari Illustrious from Plan Max? Is she yeah. from a show, Anthony? Evangelion. Uh, That's that from Evangelion. Right? Okay. Yeah. She's so in Barbie Pink. I thought maybe, kit. you know. Yeah, it's I don't a, recognize a, this, but it does look like that. All right. The Mitsubishi ME three hundred Diamond. A little corporate aircraft. That's nice. Nice. Mm, that's cool. Uh, oh, it's Soviet tactical Scud B tactical ballistic missile. 4D models, 170 second scale. I'm just scanning mm. through this, and I feel like it's been a while since I've looked at it, and there's way more sci-fi represented. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're putting a lot more out. And fantasy stuff, like I'm seeing yeah. things from like Harry Potter. Yeah, they're putting a lot more. Again, it's up to the manufacturers yeah, really and people to add stuff to the database. How about this from August 2nd The uh, from Bandai Spirits, the Providel Type Rex 01J? Yeah, it's one of the 30-minute missions series. There's yeah. a lot of those. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, 
I think that is there's no specific like animation work to support it. It's just like a no. series of model kits. Is that cool. right? I think or, so. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of meant they're meant to be quick. They're meant to be like really customizable. Like you can mm-hmm. you can swap parts out quite easily and kind of make your own sort of mecha, yep. you know, creation kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're neat. I've yeah. never really uh, yeah. come across one in person, but uh, I think they're quite popular. They have a die cast Mercedes Benz one eighth by Sterling Moss, nineteen fifty five, but it's die cast. You have a dump truck. That's interesting that it made it on here. Yeah, but again, they guess they're putting them on. Like it's not a kit that you would assemble the die ca- die cast yeah. sort of uh, body. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, how about this one from July twenty eighth? The R one forty nine MA one destroyed. Destroyed is good. Yeah, yeah. It comes, it comes in destroyed format. It's a BTR, <laughs> basically. Yeah, probably. Where are you? Again, oh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit further down. Probably done by a Ukrainian company. Yeah. Well, I've seen, I've seen pictures of the real thing, and they're burned out. All the the rubber on the wheels yep. burned off, just like this. So this, that's probably what they're they're uh, they're trying trying to reproduce. Yeah, and I think we've pretty well gone down to where we were last time. So that's all the what's new. As Anthony yeah. says, a lot of sci-fi. There, there is another 200 scale ship there for you on July 31st, Jeff. Oh, what was that? Japanese tank landing ship in one oh. 200 nice. scale. It's oh, a paper man. model, though, so I'm wondering. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, as right. the manufacturer said paper model, so I'm not sure. Yeah, like, Cardboard and, samurai. Yeah. yeah. Bit of a giveaway. Bit of a giveaway there. Interesting. So like looking down a bit further, and you can see there's that Titan again. Yeah, and did you see uh, trans uh, Trumpeter did Transformers Bumblebee Starscream? So they're, yeah, they're doing they've got that now. license. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah, interesting. yeah. For, that might be their first uh, like Trumpet. science fiction or like a licensed uh, I, um, mm, subject. Trumpeter? I'm not Trump- sure, but you might be right. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. my guess. I don't really know, but Transformers. Well, it is kind of a. I mean, if they're going to go big, they're going for a classic. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean that's kind. Of, isn't there a new film coming out too? Yeah, that's, that's the new ones. Yeah, popular popular subject. Yeah, that's cool. Very neat. Very a lot cool. of fun. All sorts of new stuff to separate us from our wallets. Not that yeah. we have yeah. enough enough to do already. Okay, mm-hmm. another awesome guy was a lot of awesome sci-fi guy stuff. Is our buddy Steve from Cult TV, ma'am? And let's see what's new from them. Let's talk about all the latest goodies coming soon from Cult TV Man and CultTVManShop.com. A lot of pre-order information this week, all sorts of uh, sci-fi subjects, etc. So we've got to start the USS Cirritos from Lower Decks. I hope all of you watched that crossover episode. Uh, this is a pre-order, the price to be announced, uh, but it looks like it's going to be good. Uh, also, the USS Enterprise, Strange New Worlds. This one's 1-1000 scale. I didn't have a scale for the Cerritos. Uh That's also a TBA and the 2023 reissue of the Klingon Battle Cruiser in the classic 1-650th scale is on pre-order. Uh, there's also Enterprise D, the 1-1400th scale. This is the 2023 reissue. Uh, both the uh, Starship and the Aztec decals you can pre-order now. 
And then, of course, the Cronus 2, uh, or sorry, Cronus 2, Cronus 1, the 1350 scale uh, Klingon battlecruiser of the Emperor from Star Trek 6. It is now available. So the main kit was $126.99. Beautiful detail on that. Uh, I had a look at that a while ago. Just absolutely gorgeous. And also the Cronus 1 light kit is available as well. That is $64.99. The photo etch kit is coming soon soon. Uh, Steve says he hopes to get it really, really soon, so definitely check that out. And then as well, we have The Witch from Doll and Hobby, uh, $41.99 as a pre-order. That looks good, a classic kit. And of course, we've talked about this before, the 172nd scale Millennium Falcon from Round 2 with some uh, updated parts that's available for $69.99. So definitely check those out. Uh, Cult TV Man uh, will be at the Hunt IPMS Huntsville, uh, Alabama show on august 26 2023 so make sure you check them out there and as always when ordering mention the scale model podcast sent you all right we're back what's on the bench so now that i know what the musaru cup is i can plan on what to do with it um i haven't decided as i was saying before a lot of uh, interesting ideas i did um i have been working on the star wars tie fighter i got the light light um oh the light purple purple metallic on it it looks really good but then i was moving that over on the paint stick it was on and then i heard a sound which was the center cockpit fall between the uh my spray booth table and my regular table heard it bounce on the floor but it's promptly gone gone through a stargate so it's down there somewhere but i have to get down and look for it so that's that's been kind of put on hold for a few minutes um and then uh what else do we have we also have the hayabusa probe we did the painting i've done the painting of the solar panels in the main body in metallics now i gotta do a lot of masking there's a lot of like different colored squares on various parts of the kit and i'm gonna go cross-eyed i swear doing this um, it's, it's worth it it's worth it <laughs> i suppose i suppose yeah <laughs> Um, it will be when it's it 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 will be when it's when it's done, um, but yeah, I just got to uh, I just got to play 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 catch up on that. Okay, um, yeah, so I'm going to be doing that. That's about what's happening there. Uh, Jeff, you're up next. Yeah, I have not been obviously been focused on things other than the bench, but every now and again, at least once a day, I'll come downstairs and I'll load up the airbrush with some Tamiya white primer. Uh, and I'll, I'll spray another coat on this beast, uh, the Savoy Marchetti S55 uh, X, and and it's taking forever. White takes forever to cover. Yes. But slowly but surely, I'm getting there. And I have decided, like I I've been wrestling with what color scheme to do this in. This it was originally the Balbo Silver World Tour um, kit. But I don't have the decals for it. And then I thought I'd do the, the red one. The only one that's surviving in the world is in um, South America. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's kind of a burgundy red. And I thought that would look sharp. So I might do that. And then I was just flipping through um, my, my art book of the, 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 the Studio Ghibli film, um, Porco Rosso. And I saw that these were in it. And so I pulled oh, cool. that up found them and decided I'm going to do a Porco Rosso colors. Excellent. There we go. There you go. <laughs> so that, that should be fun. And it'll be, you know, I mean, this is not uh, going to be a contest 
<laughs> in a contest at any given time. But I'll probably do a little diorama with this and and the Parco Rosso plane and the the Curtis all the same scale together, cool. sort of doing. Were awesome. those ones in red? What were what were those in? No, it was white underneath, red under the under okay. the and green on the top of the wings. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's the plan. Yeah, so that should be fun. Looking forward to playing around with that. But at least I have a plan. That was what was bugging me. It was slowing me down. I don't know if you get you're building a kit because you like the kit, but you haven't quite sorted out in your mind what you want to do with the color scheme yet. Yeah. And that's kind of the path right. I was going down. Had to make a call. That's me with the truck. That's me with the Missouri yeah. Cup right now, kind of figuring out what I'm going to do with it. So, I'm so, telling you, pink, pink I is know, the color. That might be an idea. I might have to suggest that to my wife. You know what she'll say to that. She'll like that idea. You'll be all over it. All over it. All I need now is one seventy-second sheep to go with it and make it like the urn delivery. And guess what you have? I have one thirty-fifth sheep. But I'm sure oh, I can. Well, I can three D print. I can three D. I can three D print. No words. They're just big sheep. sheep. They're just big sheep. Yeah, yeah we'll figure sheep. it out. I'll run that by her tonight. We'll see what she says. Okay, Mr. Terry, you've got a, you've got your first subject seems rather unusual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, keep working on those one to one scale husky maniacs. Um, they're they're good. Uh, summertime, awesome. like I said, modeling kind of grinds to a halt a bit. Um, I do, I am, I'm working on stuff, but I weren't work on other stuff, but I know I shouldn't start that other stuff because it'll just be yet more, <laughs> one more unfinished project. <laughs> but you know what? My wife so, appreciates you posting the pictures, especially. Yeah. I know. sent another one yeah. you can throw in here. Yep. Um, yeah, they're, they're good little guys and, um, the other ones are getting along well with them. And your wife hasn't so, uh, decided to get another one. You're not planning any more business trips? Oh, Jesus. No. Um, <laughs> well, I am traveling this week, so. Oh, dear. Okay. We'll keep our no, fingers crossed like, for so you. So that means she has to get up at 4 o'clock. Oh, yes. Which, which will be a, a, a disincentive. There you go. Uh, yeah, he, I guess the bladder just lasts till 4 o'clock, and then occasionally yeah. I can sleep again till 6, but sometimes he's awake. My kitties wake me up at five for breakfast. So and that's a little Toshi. Yeah. Yeah. But cats, you feed them and you can go back to bed. I know. These two. Yeah, I know. You they wake up out. and they, they start banging around We're the house. Ready to go. <laughs> hopping on, you know, just chasing each other around. Oh. And well, they got to learn, right? Toshi's got to learn. Yeah. All right. What else are you doing? You're doing, you're setting up a new workstation. Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I built, a, I bought a, actually, I, I was so frustrated with this old box that constantly had USB issues. And um, I, I tried a whole bunch of different stuff. So I just, it was getting old anyway. So I just bought one. Excellent. Usually I like to build them. Yeah. But I just bought a workstation from Dell and it's, I do that. It's now. really, yep. it's really nice. Good. Um, they open it up to put in some more drives and stuff to bring the stuff over from the old rig. And it's like, and it's quality build. Yeah. They, they don't mess around. You on Windows 11? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's very nice. Windows 11, I will recommend it. So, and uh, it's set up as a workstation, so I can do my photos and all that. It's not really, yeah. You know, set. I don't need another game rig. I'm no. already gaming too much as it is. Oh, I know. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I got to admit. Alrighty, Mr. Anthony Goodman. Oh, that's cool. I'm just looking yeah, at uh, yeah. The... Jeff just posted. Yeah, looks yeah. yeah. Photo. That's pretty awesome. The, Thank uh, you, the Martetti. Yeah, looks great. Yeah, it's such a weird plane. I love it. Yeah, all that Italian stuff is so interesting looking, right? Like they're yeah, just exactly. trying to figure Classic out what Italian they can do design, with it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Let's make exactly. a flying Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> they had a really interesting design method, I think. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I've been working on a uh, surprise, surprise, more Gundams. <laughs> from I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. Shocked. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I don't know why. I just have so many of them. It's uh, um, <clears throat> standing in the way of my Macross builds, really. The, uh, I've been working on another shelf queen project, bringing it, bringing it closer. One that I had done a bunch of work to. So uh, it's the GPO GPO three um, from Stardust Memories, and I've had that kit for like twenty years, and uh, just about finished it. And I'm prepping another uh, another oldie but goodie uh, that I actually bought when I was in Japan, uh, the Gundam uh, Hazel. So it's getting that one ready for paint. Nice. Uh, and another interesting. Um, project that kind of popped up in my lap was uh <clears throat> something for a uh, fellow club member he needed to reproduce the lancaster front nose blister and um he had uh actually i think jeff you put me in touch with uh pablo and yeah um, well he, he hooked up with me because i'm the secretary and i have everybody's emails and of uh -huh. course I, I, had, I had two email addresses for you and for the longest time i get he had the wrong one so that's why he yes up with you yeah, and I think I'd answer them and said, "Yeah, like, yeah, give me a call at this number or whatever. Uh, I'll uh, for sure I'll uh, we'll we'll take a look at it." And then, uh, um, I think he was emailing me and not. Uh, but anyway, we finally got in contact. He came by, and I'll, I'll show you guys real real quickly um, what I'm working on here. But I I couldn't catch the full story. But he needed uh, he needed to make his own canopy for the front nose, which is all glass, which is like, mm -hmm. and it has a little uh, frame in it. Um, he was trying to, he had like a homemade vac machine, the buck needed some work. And, uh, luckily I just kind of, uh, plateaued on vac forming canopies with my little cat's eye Macross project. So, um, and, and having gone to, uh, just recently a great seminar on vac forming, uh, at Wonderfest that kind of, I was able to fill in the missing pieces of my process. So, uh, yeah, I was able to, we, we, we fixed up his buck a little bit. He he kind of had a uh, a piece of um, frame. It was a little rough. It wasn't quite round. Um, and uh, so we we had, we cut a new one using uh, the shadow thinner line cutter. Nice. So mm -hmm. it is in fact a circle, right? And then uh, I worked on getting his mold uh, with a little bit of height and a uh, just a little bit of undercut to show you where to to cut it off, but not so much that's going to get in the way. And we did end up making a, uh, one copy. We we're kind of just playing with his buck at the moment that he brought it over and we were, we pulled something, but it was a little sticky, uh, but he took it home and played with it anyway and said it was good. But then I decided, you know what, we might as well make the, that, that circular frame a bit better. And uh, he sent me a picture with where the rivets are. So I think I might attempt to do the rivets on the cool. frame while I'm kind of, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, yeah, we're going to just, this kind of neat stuff like that, where you start to dig out tools and, um, you, you start to kind of go a little deeper. They're, they're neat projects that come up like that once in a while. Yeah. We so, got to get you to try a female mold sometime for these. Yeah. So then you can really do the, the rivet detail. Cool. I would love to yeah, try we, that. Yeah. yeah. The back, the big, the bit of the backstory on that Pablo build, um, he, he, this kit that I'm building, this uh, Savoy Marchetti, and, mm -hmm. and like the Avro car and all these other, these are uh, pre previously built kits, um, oh. built, by, 
built by a deceased member of 427 wing out at the London airport, which is RCAF, uh, you know, social club. And uh, Pablo, or Pablo bought the Tamiya 148 Lancaster that had been built. And then he stripped it, took all the parts off it, but it was missing that front nose. Blister. Ah, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So that's what he, and, and when he was talking about who could he, who could, like how to do it, your name came up as being the god of, uh, of, of that performance. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just an amateur. <laughs> I'm, I'm just figuring it out. So I'm really happy I got another thing to, to practice on. But this is neat. You know, I, I have I have plans for um, a 50s Canadian, the, the Saar Lancaster. So nice. I whipped it out and I was just holding this buck that Pablo made. Basically, they're not the same scale, but I was able to hold it up and he actually really nailed the shape and the angle. So it's sort of like a round dome with like a flat spot that's pointed downwards. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was neat to whip that out and kind of uh, as a bit of source material and say, you know, what, this is a pretty you did a pretty good job, Pablo. It looks like it should. So uh, I think he was just didn't have any experience with the um, vac forming. He, I think he was treading some of the same steps I had. Like I, I originally had a homemade vac former that didn't work. Surprise, surprise. Right. Couldn't get mm. it to, to do anything. And then I ended up investing in like a, one of those dental former machines that model makers love so much. And, and uh, I was explaining to him that I bought, um, I bought a full four by eight sheet of like virgin plastic for thermoforming um <laughs> from a plastic supplier and i it took me a few hours but i cut the entire thing into five inch by five inch squares because that's nice. what it takes yeah yeah you have to use the whole thing and that that was like that took me a while to do that but now i have this <laughs> it's a stack about i would say about 10 inches tall and boy oh boy <laughs> did i burn through those when i was trying to do the the cat's eye because i was trying to figure out the timing and I was, my, those box weren't set up properly. Then I go to Wonderfest. I figure out I need to um, shape it differently. I need to put vents in it. I, I ended up taking the two separate canopies, merging them together to be a bit more, instead of wasting two sheets uh, at a time. And then uh, starting to figure out the timing for the heat. And it was sort of coming together. So he really, he really caught me at the right time where I was like, I think I can actually do a good job at this. <laughs> almost, almost sounds like we need Anthony to do a demo at one of our IPMS London meetings one night. Jim. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. 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 I'd be, I mean, I'd, it'd love be, that. I'd be up for that. And just seeing, you know, that's, that's a, the value of these demos and BP yes. overperformed on that. He brought a lot oh, of yeah. stuff with them yeah. um, and, and seeing how it was and, you know, showing, letting people know how to make your, your masters actually work in that. And I'm like, Oh, of course yeah. that works. As soon as you see it, your brain goes, well, of course that's how it needs to be done. <laughs> yep, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That Until was, you see it, you don't, yeah, it doesn't what it register. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to give a lot of credit to that, that, that little seminar. There must've been yeah. 10 guys there all around the table. And oh, uh, more like 20 or 25, yeah, I think. And, right. And BP had a two variety sides. of, yeah, he yeah. had a variety of things out there and he was showing people, and he had a little, um, a little jet canopy mold, and I just instantly picked it up. I was like, "Oh wait, this, this is what yeah. my thing should look like." There was, and, uh, you know, I realized right away the buck design uh, was whole, was really making a problem for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then he was you talking have about that undercut. You gotta have that yeah, undercut. yeah. The undercut was killing me, and I just was using it as was provided to me. Um, and for the. Uh... Yeah, for the listeners, the undercut's necessary because if you just have a flat, if you just have a vertical interface there, plastic, as you know, it'll just make a curve. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you it'll never get down to that level you want. So you have an undercut. It kind of goes under, and then the curve goes, and you almost have then a flat point where you can yeah. make your cut around and that's exactly where the piece needs to be you'll need to sand a little bit yes. but it, as soon as you see how that works it, it it's completely logical yeah yeah, yeah. And, but the undercut I, I, has to be uh the, i mean the real it, it's a subtle undercut that's yes, what i had this i couldn't get the pieces off the buck and i was just just destroying uh, yeah. them and until i realized how fine that I needed to make that undercut. So you can, you can basically see the very bottom of the frame of the, the mm-hmm. canopy. Right. But it's just a little bit, and you're going to sand that piece to fit it anyway. So you're going to, you're going to reintroduce that sharpness. Right. So it's, it's what a little, a little thicker than the actual plastic. Yeah. yeah. So like a millimeter. <laughs> yes. Or, or maybe yeah. two. Yeah. No, a millimeter. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I did with uh I'll, I'll and I'll post for the listeners. I will post a picture of the the refurbished buck. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and he I think he had put it up really high. He was using like a like a Lego piece to, oh. to underneath, and it was just too much, right? So sure. you're ending up with like too much stretch at the top of the dome, and mm. it, yeah. So some interesting things, right? I I learned just through trial and error. I need to get that thing. Uh, my my Valkyrie buck, I got it almost as low as I could right. to the the actual model part to the bottom of the frame. But yeah, we can we can definitely talk about that in more depth sometime. Cool. If we haven't yeah, covered it all out. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to our new section. Uh, what we're reading. Um, I finished that one of the te- history of the Telegraph. I'm now reading one. I've been heard about this one for a while. It's kind of a funny, true one, but it's Confessions of a Bookseller by Sean Blythill. He's actually a bookstore owner in a tourist town in the north of England, and he's written a couple. So he has a used bookstore, and it's kind of a daily diary. And I used to work in a bookstore for many years. I I absolutely loved it in my college years. Uh, so, you know, all the various customers and the characters, if you've got a regular bookstore, you, 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 you go to, and you know, the owner and you know what, this can apply to also hobby stores, a lot of these yep. stores. So a good read um, about two thirds of the way through. And then I'm starting a new nonfiction one. Uh, it's called Hyper Focus by Chris Bailey. And I had to put this in. I started this a while back, but lost focus. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. With I know with with a lot of people <laughs> have recommended this to me. Um, so yeah, because basically with all that's happened the last few years, I do have a lot of trouble sometimes keeping focus on things sure. um, and getting motivated. And this is a, I've just started it. It's fairly good so far, but I've read very good reviews, including from a few friends of mine who really says there's some good stuff in there. So going to be trying that, Mr. Jeff. Yeah, well, I finally finished that um, Over the Edge of the World book about the uh, Around the World Voyage by Magellan, which was mm-hmm. a great a great read. I learned a lot that I didn't know about it. And I, other than, as I said before, I realized I would have not survived that voyage. Like, like 80% of the crew of that voyage didn't survive. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but, uh, man, there's a lot of sex and violence in that story. I mean, it's a, it's a great movie if you were <laughs> just waiting to be made, but pretty, pretty nasty times. Uh, I'm looking for another book to read. What I have been doing lately, because uh, it's been so freaking buggy here because of all the humidity, um is that i've been making puzzles <laughs> i just, <laughs> just open a puzzle it's a crappy oh, day oh so boy 
do a puzzle and then uh, and then I, I don't really feel my brain needs to work too much but i really need a book i gotta find a good book to read so i might go into one of these uh one of the ones that terry's reading now by that yeah. uh, that time. that's it all right well, i got stuff i can send you <laughs> <laughs> okay terry you're um up. yeah i'm moving along with clean sweep it's a big book and i'm reading at lunchtime so 30 40 pages uh the fighters are now over berlin so you know that writing's been on the wall for a while mm-hmm. but i'm amazed at how buggy the mustangs still were at that point hmm. really um oh yeah yeah uh, the, these were still the bees and uh, oh, eventually okay. the c's were coming over yeah. uh you know the ammunition jam because of that weird interface so eventually they motorized the the ammunition tracks to force feed the guns yep. Yep. but that hasn't happened yet and even the p47s were that way so you would be like so-and-so was down to one gun on his p47 it's like well what's the point of a p47 <laughs> <laughs> wow but um uh yeah yeah so it, it's it's fascinating and I, and it's i'm only at like 60 percent of the book so yeah i gotta get a lot more right. going on um i did pick up michael moorcock's elric trilogy on kindle so I've been Excellent. wanting a big read, and I think this is going to be a nice big read. I'll be doing some traveling, it. and it's something to remember. And it was in the foreword by uh, Neil Gaiman wrote the foreword on the first one, and uh, it's like remember these books were written in the '60s. A yeah. lot of stuff yeah. he borrowed a lot of stuff from Tolkien and, yeah. and some others, but then everyone else borrowed a lot of stuff from him. And by you know, exactly. it just kind of yeah. yeah, it built its own genre. But this was toward the early section of this genre. Anytime so, anyone asks me about fantasy to read, it's in it's in my top ten. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a Blue Oyster Cult fan too, so Michael Moorcock did a lot of stuff with those guys. Oh, there you go, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Anthony. Well, I'm not really reading much right now. I've been uh, um, reading a kid on or a, a kid. I'm reading a book on like uh, dealing with with children's behavior and uh, some GI Joe comic books. I thought I thought your children were 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 actually perfect. You told me. Oh, they are. It's the I'm the kid that needs the. Oh, okay. (laughs) My kids are awesome. (laughs) And then, but I've got to say, I am starting to uh, foam at the mouth a little bit for Luft Rom seventy two. Yes. The new um, super detailing F fourteen book. Yep. Yep. Or MOOC. I think it's some more of a magazine book combo, but that thing looks amazing. I'm trying not to look too much. Like some people have gotten it and they're like, yeah. they've got pictures of all the spreads. <laughs> and I'm just going right by it. Cause I'm like, I, I'm just going to crack into this thing. And coincidentally, I got myself a, one of the Tamiya um, 48 scale. Nice. I got the a type, the, the, oh, car- yeah. the carrier launch a type uh, yep. from yep. our, from our local hobby shop, Roughdale. So boy oh boy isn't that gonna work out nicely well he's sending yeah. me a copy too so you and i will have to do a segment where we, where, oh, where we review it we're also going to get him great. on the show we're going to get yep. him on the podcast for an interview as part of Perfect. his worldwide marketing tour yeah he's just a, he's just i love his type of modeling and yep. i like his approach and to, he's a great guy great guy to talk to he's got a really interesting um eye for detail and uh yeah he's got a really neat approach to doing his model work it's good i think that book is gonna it's gonna blow my mind i'm yeah, sure of it. i think you'll be good okay speaking of also blowing our minds uh all the goodies from sean's custom model tools so let's quickly oh, yeah. talk about that 
Now we're going to talk a bit about Sean's Custom Model Tools, one of our other sponsors of the Scale Model Podcast. Some very cool things, both 3D printed and the Goodman Super Sanding Blocks. Let's start with the Microset and Microsole Decal Set Bottle Stand. This is uh, purposely designed for the Microscale Set and Sole. Uh, most modelers over the years, they've tipped these bottles over. So uh, this is a very handy thing. At $14.95, you can uh, put them both together. They're printed in blue and red for easy identification. Comes with a black base, and they actually have little magnets on it, so it helps keep them in place. Definitely a good deal. I use mine all the time, and I can well recommend them. Let's talk a bit about those Goodman Model Super Sanding Blocks, namely the Value Pack Combo for $28.99. You get the 80 grit, 180 grit, 220, 320, 400, and 600. Uh, just an amazing set. Uh, just what you need. And you can also, uh, if you want, you can also get a, a sanding, super sanding block stand for it, which also uh, really makes life a little bit easier. Helps helps things keep it organized. The other thing too is they have they have the awesome model tape dispenser for uh, your various tapes it's basically a 3d printed thing you put spools of your tapes it's got a little razor blade to help uh, cut it and it's a uh, really really good design uh, so yeah works out really well and yours for 1995 so check out these and other amazing deals at sean's custom model tools.com and uh, also on facebook and tell them that the scale model podcast sent you all right now we're back. Anthony's got his part two of his interview with Rod Booth of IPMS USA. Anthony, uh, give us a quick intro. Yeah. Um, well, we, so Rob Booth is a busy guy. If he wasn't talking to people, uh, you know, via Facebook and trying to, to get uh, feedback on, on the direction of the, of the organization, he's put up, he's put up fires from earlier uh, a month ago or so, as you all remember. Uh, but he's also been, he was preparing for Nats. Uh, and, and I had the pleasure of uh, talking with him as he was doing those things. And uh, boy, oh boy, he was such a nice guy. Um, yeah, we had a, we had a really interesting uh, conversation. And um, I, I hope it's not too nuts and boltsies for uh, nuts and boltsies. I'm going to, I'm going to coin that. Because we're really talking about uh, an organization that's been around for a long time, has a huge impact on the hobby of scale modeling and it seems like it's really at a crossroads so um they know that and i think it's got a lot of new blood we we know a lot of great people on that executive so it was very interesting to hear kind of where they really want to take it and especially as a sci-fi guy i i, I didn't want to be too hard on him because i think he's already been pounded on by uh, the general you know the, the 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 keyboard warriors and whatnot but um <laughs> You know, he, I think they really do care uh, about uh, about the state of the hobby and the and more importantly, state of the community, right? And that's the thing they're trying to tap into and, and maybe serve a bit better. So, I was quite interesting to hear what they had to say, and uh, yeah, I hope I hope you do as well. Hey, here we go. Welcome to SMP's Model Insider with your humble host Anthony Goodman. Let's dive behind the scenes with special guests from all aspects of the scale model world. Let's find out what's going on. Okay, welcome again, listeners, to part two of the 
interview with Rob Booth, Secretary of IPMS USA. We were digging deep into uh, some of the dirt, right? Some of the crusts, <laughs> what's been happening recently. There's a lot going on and we, we certainly got into it. And there's tons of more that we want to sort of pick apart here and kind of see what direction um, the organization is going to be heading into. And uh, obviously, listeners, you've heard about the awesome prize of a complimentary annual membership to IPMS USA provided by Rob or us. So it's a really cool prize. Um, you've heard about that earlier in the program and uh, we're looking forward to seeing your whips and you will be able to take your models to the national convention so we want to thank rob for that and rob welcome back to the show how are you this evening thanks howdy good to be back excellent yes so uh there's this guy i know he's always talking about uh what's your plan to fix that <laughs> i think you know him <laughs> he serves on the board with you <clears throat> Uh, good Dave, Kentucky Dave, providing oh, us yeah. a, oh, yeah. a, nice, a nice little piece of wisdom. So let's let's get back to what we were talking about. We were looking at the new initiatives that the executive has kind of come up with to kind of relaunch yourselves and to to steer yourselves in the in the right in the right direction for the membership. So yeah, give us a little um, insight into what you've been working on. Right. Well, the uh, the e-board. When we got elected in 2021, our first order of business was to be sure that uh, that this e-board was fully transparent to the membership, mm-hmm. and we have we've been focused on that ever since uh, we came into office. We went through the effort to put a lot of time and and thought into revising some of the things that are in the IPMS USA Constitution of Bylaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up doing that. We did a uh, an e-board committee to start with, and then we had put that out to the membership to look at, and we got a lot of feedback on that. Well, we formed a subcommittee from the society and some past uh, e-board members to take a look at what we had done uh, on our first draft, and we spent about two or three months going back and forth and and cleaning wow. all that up. And so what what you got to look at now to vote on is the result of about 20 people looking at, at that and okay. uh, coming up with these amendments that uh, will give us some more structure and, and help us to sort of divide and conquer on some of these initiatives we want to push forth with. Right and so uh, a lot of what I'm about to tell you is, is stuff that, uh, that I came up with. This is, this hasn't gone through a formal vote by the board or anything, but it's it'll, it'll be coming through here pretty soon. Okay, so this is hot off the presses. Sure. Well, what we did was uh, uh, we, we uh, John Bonani and I both monitored Facebook real closely mm-hmm. um, in, in the aftermath of, of Dave's editorial coming out. And we tried to focus on some of the f- positive feedback that came out of that and some of the suggestions uh, that people were making. Because it came up that you know there 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 were some some pretty pointed commentary about the relevance of IPMS in the in the greater hobby these days and and mm-hmm. uh, where we stand with things and so we tried to follow the positive feedback on that so between John and myself and a couple other people we came up with some things that uh, that the e board will be looking at moving forward into this next term after after the nationals this summer. Mm-hmm. So 
know, we're going to make a commitment to uh, revisit, reestablish, and reinforce the value package that comes in an IPMS membership. Okay. And that package is going to be subject to a continuous improvement all the time uh, based on feedback from the membership. So we're asking those people in IPMS to get a hold of us and tell us what they want. How can we help you become a better model? That's kind of going to be the number one focus. How do people, how do members reach out? Like, what are you expecting? What's that uh, mode of communication? Just Facebook or emails or? Through through any of those uh, channels, but to, to be direct, send it straight to me at IPMSSEC at IPMSUSA.org. That email goes straight to me into a log that I keep to, to bring before the board at the next board meeting. Yeah, take note, listeners, your chance to get get your voice heard. Excellent. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, there's always the uh, the IPMS Facebook groups. Uh, the, uh, IPMS USA has a Facebook group. Uh, most of the regions have their own have their own pages and groups. So uh, eventually, all that stuff can can get filtered back to us, and we'll take a look at it. Along with that, we want to develop and maintain a positive and engaging mes- message to welcome modelers of all ages and subject matter to participate in everything that IPMS has to offer. Mm-hmm. That's not just now, but that's into the future as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're making a conscious effort to reach out underrepresented modeling genres and encourage their active participation and have a role in the future of IPMS USA. So. We talked a little bit about the science fiction and gun of folks that that are underrepresented right now in the yeah. society. We're listening and we want to hear from you. Uh, we're going to be encouraging collaboration with the other international branches of IPMS and other hobby organizations to promote and spread this consistent welcoming message to other scale modelers around the world. Mm-hmm. So we'll be reaching out to the guys in the UK Australia and, and Mexico and Canada, especially here in the States, mm-hmm. uh, to try to work together. I know there'll be a lot of folks from Canada, a lot of folks from Mexico coming to the convention this summer. And of course, oh, we're sure. welcoming them and want to engage with them about how IPMS works in Canada and how IPMS works in, in Mexico. And I know that the guys in in the UK have talked to us a couple of times and we'll be doing some collaboration over the next year or two on on where the direction of the society is headed. Nice. There might even be some new potential Mm -hmm. rebranding to coincide with this new message. You know, it's not uh, it's not the International Plane Modelers Society anymore. (laughs) Uh, You know, Uh. Plastic is just one of the many things that uh, yeah. that make up our hobby uh, uh-huh. medium. So, you know, there could potentially be an international scale modeler society uh, come out of it. That does uh, make some, sense. Some rebranding. So, Rob, let me tell you, when I was at Wonderfest, I saw this. Uh, I saw this fellow wearing a funny shirt. It said, <clears throat> "It said IPMS on it in big letters," and then beside it had it was all broken out and it said, "I prefer." making spaceships <laughs> that's pretty good i like that <laughs> and i yeah i had a pretty big chuckle so 
Yeah, that's a I'm not I don't want to say older, but he was older than me. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, there's you got your work cut out for it. But but obviously you're on the right track here, I think, with uh, in terms of the the messaging you want to get in the new the new direction of the board. Right. I think the biggest thing that, that we can say from from the leadership of IPMS is, is, you know, we recognize that there are there are some perception problems. Um, yeah both inside, but more particularly outside of the society. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you that the, you know, the vast majority of the membership of IPMS doesn't fall into that. Oh, absolutely. um, What, what, what we affectionately refer to as the old guard within IPMS. Yeah. And again, you know, we, we, we got to respect those guys from, Mm -hmm. from whence we came. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today without, and uh, it's just that I think the majority of the membership realizes that, you know, it's time to move on and try to keep up with the hobby and become more relevant than we have been in in the past. So it's more of an evolution, right? Exactly. Yeah. Things are shifting. Can I ask you about the, uh, how, how can I phrase this? when the 3d technology was just emerging let's say about five years ago right and there's like Mm -hmm. well is it cheating and is that something that you have noticed today that there's a lot of pushback on or is that people are adopting it from your vantage point i i think that the way if you're talking about it from a from a contest standpoint and how we look at it at at, the the contest yeah, that's that's very much new technology as far as as the contest is concerned. That's yeah. only really been around for the last year or two right. in enough in enough volume to, to come into the contest and be something that we got to start looking at. Yeah. And so I think that the, the way that the NCC currently looks at 3D printed models is it's no different than any other model. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the end result and the final product that you put on the table that's being judged. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been some discussion and, and quite frankly, some arguments I've seen go on in social media, uh, from one side or the other about is, is a 3d printed model that is, that is produced from a, a CAD file that the modeler themselves produced doesn't that qualify as a scratch built model and, right. and be entered into the scratch built category? Realistically, when you're sitting there trying to judge um, on a Friday night at the Nationals, it, it's difficult to confirm or verify that that's the way that this particular model was produced. And right. it's a big burden on the contestant to have to show you know, here's here's some samples of my CAD drawings, and here's yeah. what I did, and this is kind of nebulous. And and I think that the the at least the prevailing thought from from the judges at this point is that okay, so you put that together in a 3D CAD rendering, and then you produced it, and in in theory, I I can see somebody making a case to say, well, I scratch built this thing on the computer Mm -hmm. and then printed it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that the uh, that the NCC is still saying that in order for it to be a scratch built entry, 
that you have to manufacture each part that you've put into the model basically by hand. Yes. So you've 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 sort of sculpted it in raw materials rather than perfecting it on the computer before you put it together in you know in its final form. And again, I'm I'm not privy to those conversations in the NCC, so I don't want to put words in their mouth. But I think the prevailing thought is that whatever it is that you put on the table as a as a entry is is the final product of your modeling process. Mm-hmm. And it's judged as a model the same way that something that is that is produced from a kit and put together, assembled, painted, and finished in the what you would say is the typical manner. Right. Um, and then there are those uh, there are those models that you can now buy, both as a as a completed kit, mm-hmm. uh, or not a completed kit, but as a kit of three D produced parts that you can assemble yes. and put together, yeah. which again, you know, where are the lines that you cross in, in trying to, to define all that stuff. So I know there'll be the NCC will be working on that over the next couple of years, because mm-hmm. we're going to see more and more 3d produced models on the table. Oh, definitely. Um, but like it's, it's obviously more, uh, I mean, uh, we'll have to see what comes out of the contest committee's discussions and hope they can come up with a guide to me it's more impressive to uh if you were to actually design something uh yourself right take measurements and whip up something and then print it and then you know make a unique conversion of something for example or a completely 3d printed kit that is not something you can just purchase is more impressive than um just like buying a file and like printing it out and to me, sure. it's the equivalent of buying aftermarket resin, right? To okay, I'm sure. gonna fix the cockpit on my plane. I'm gonna. Uh, there is no version of this. I'm gonna just draw it up in CAD. To me, that's that that particular modeler has all of the creative force going into that, right? It's it's like it's right. like Paul Budzig making stuff on his lathe. It, it's, exactly. It's just a digital. Well, one. look, if, if if you wanted to make a comparison, I would say. If you took a look at Steve Hustat's, uh best of show aircraft from from last year in Omaha, mm-hmm. that that he produced literally from scratch from styrene and and you know typical plastic modeling materials, mm-hmm. where he 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 drew up his own set of plans uh, on paper and mm-hmm. used that as a guide to build that. I think there's the, the 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 credit that is given there for the difference between doing something like that versus doing it on a computer is if if you're producing something in 3D on a computer you have infinite opportunity to look at that file and tweak it to make right. it perfect before you actually commit it to uh to the printing process right whereas in, in 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 creating that uh, that seaplane that he did, it's it's all literally done by hand um, on the yeah. on the physical material all at one time. Right. So he didn't have a chance to to tweak it in CAD before he you know printed out a wing or something like that. Yeah. Theoretically, he'd be using measuring tools, right? He'd be using right, right. Uh, maybe a, a mini lathe or uh, like a, a mini milling machine to to take advantage of that sort of perfection right in the within the tools right. 
to give him right. give him those nice things. I, I personally find them very comparable, right? Like it's yeah. The I think the yeah. process from start to finish is along the same path and along the yeah. you know, you're taking the same steps. The advantage that the the guy on the CAD has is he has the opportunity to tweak that in the virtual world. Yes. Whereas you know Steve might have had to make you know few. four four different wings before he got to the got right it. one. Yeah. And so it's it's you know there's some credence given to the level of effort and the and the the scratch building skill and the physical aspect of it that sure. I think is missing from the ability to do it on 3d and CAD. yeah although um, it might so, be it might be part of the experience of 3d uh built or people working with 3d projects that they also have like a failure rate inside well, their projects sure. Yeah. right sure there's going to be and different you know just bumps on the road yeah suffice to say that's that's going to be a hot topic you know yeah. for for the next several years on on how we how we treat and how we classify what comes out of the 3D printed world. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. As far as a model. But at the end of the day, what, you know, to circle back where we started here mm-hmm. is that it's, you're still going to be judged on the final product that you put on the table. Yeah. You know, the judges are going to look at that in the same manner that they look at uh, a model that was produced from a plastic kit that you bought mm-hmm. from Tamiya or Edward yeah. or anybody else. So mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you know, not to belabor that point, because that, again, we're still in the very early stages of, of how all yeah. that stuff's going to be handled. We had a discussion, uh, the different challenges in trying to make a consistent uh, judging rubric for judges to make consistent judging. And I think this is a topic that we're going to delve into also in a future date with a special guest as well, listeners. But we talked about that and how hard it is. So it'll be interesting to see how 3D is going to fit into that. Is that one of the goals for the executive board was to work on a kind of judging, uh, making it more kind of consistent and refining that? Or is that left to the community, the contest committee? Well, both actually. So so what's happening is, um, you know, there's there's a huge amount of change going on um within IPMS right now in particular with the the contest committee and I'm not going to get into a lot of the specifics there but there's there's going to be a lot of there'll be some new folks uh okay. step up and and step into some new roles there that is a, a natural evolution of the way that process works in in addition to that one of the uh one of the directors from the board for the NCC moving forward is we, we've asked them to look very closely at uh, the judging criteria and the judging protocols that we use right now uh, okay. in, in, at, at the national contest. And this, you know, this is a huge elephant that you have to kind sure. of take a bite at a time. So yes, <laughs> what we suggested first is that each, each class, each class, the, the team leaders and, and head judges for aircraft and ships and armor and, and figures and science fiction. And those guys get together and develop, um, basically take the IPMS basic construction criteria 
and and protocols that we use right now to judge at the at the national contest and tailor that information and, and document it specifically to that class of models. Mm-hmm. So I think we maybe touched on this a little last time about you, you know, judging an airplane is totally different than judging a figure. Yeah. You know, you're still looking for the same basics in construction and finish. Mm-hmm. But there's but particulars. There's, there, there is. There's particulars and, and, and there are things that are more important from a basic construction standpoint on an aircraft than, or maybe a better way to say it is, there's a whole lot more room for error in some of the basic construction on an aircraft than there is for uh, basic construction on a figure. Yeah, when you get a figure, it's it's. I mean, you might have to put some arms and legs on or something like that. But there's, you know, there's a whole lot. There, there's a whole different set of of uh, skills and parameters to getting a figure to the to the point where you're ready to paint it. Yeah. Then there then there is to getting an aircraft to the point where you're ready to paint it. Oh, for sure. It's, yeah. There's characteristics of each. Right. Subject, and, right? The, and, the, and and you can say the same thing about cars or ships or or, a, yeah. you know, a, a science fiction uh, subject. Yeah. There's a different set of parameters there that apply to each of the classes. Yeah. And so what we've asked the, the, the head class judges to do is to get with their guys and tailor that. Uh, tailor those specific criteria and and protocols on things that you look at to fit that class mm-hmm. and then document that. And that's the stuff that, that the, uh, the particular judges for those classes, the categories within those classes to look at while they're judging, you know, come up with a checklist. Yeah. So you make sure yes. that you don't miss things and, and some of that kind of stuff. And consistency. Um, and right? absolutely consistent judge to judge. And so, uh, you know, we've asked them to look at that. We've asked them to, uh, we're going to, we're going to try to get the uh, guys this summer to keep track of the time that they spend uh, judging. uh, You know, we, we have them keep track of how many models there are in a, in a category before they start judging. Yes. So say you've got a class of, I don't know, pick, pick a category from armor, I guess, of 35th scale closed top, blah, 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 whatever it is. And you got, uh, maybe you had to split that and you got 25 tanks or, or vehicles in that class. So if you start judging that class at, at 8.02 PM, and then mm-hmm. you, you finally make your first, second and third choice at 8.47 PM or something, mm-hmm. we know we can t- use that data to say, okay, well, it took, X number of minutes per model average to judge this class. And so we want to use that as some baseline data to figure out if some of these other things that we do will help us speed up the judging process. Right. Um, and, and make it easier on the judges. If you have a checklist to go by or, or, a, oh, you know, definitely. Uh, something like that. So anyway, we're, we're looking at that. We're, we're, we're reaching out to local clubs and, and mm-hmm. some other organizations on, you know, what are, what are your best practices for, for the judging at your contests? And, 
let, you know, try and learn from each other here. Yeah. Um, and again, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a long process. You know, it, oh, sure. it's not going to happen, you know, between this Nats and next Nats that we have this, you know, totally revamped judging system. It's, yeah, it's going to be the time. same thing next year than it is, than it is in, in San Marcos for the most part. Right. Uh, so, but, you know, the point I'm trying to make is we're talking about it and we're, we're looking, we're open to some new ideas. Yeah. And it might be, might be time for, I mean, there's been that sort of uh, perennial discussion about is, is IPMS going to ever consider changing from the one, two, three to the gold, silver, bronze, or do more of like an amp style uh, judging system and, People well, argue you know, both sides of that. Yeah, and it's you know we're we're not at the point where we're we're really even ready to talk about it. Yeah, it sounds like it's more uh, research we, phase. We 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 have to uh, we have to figure out a way to articulate exactly what it is that we're looking at when we're judging the model and yes. how we do it. We have to we have to get to the basics first mm-hmm. before we can have any more discussion about. You know that that's not that's not a judging discussion. That's yeah. an awards discussion. Kind of more of the format of the contest. It, it's the yeah exactly. The awards format is a totally different discussion than the judging yes. discussion. Yeah, I've always noticed that, like being a judge myself, uh, I've always wondered, um, wouldn't it be great to get a guide handed to you at the show that gives you some structure? Instead of just saying, I mean, I, I've been at shows where the contest judges have been, the, the head judges have been really great and they usually get gather people up and they sort of give you a bit of guidance, right? You know, look for fundamentals. But uh, even that can be a little bit vague and broader, especially if somebody's coming right. on and they're a beginner or kind of only done it a few times. They really, their heads are spinning. Uh, and even by the time you're, you're into it, two hours, your head's spinning <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, let me, let me just say this, that it doesn't take very long in, in, any, in any venue or medium you choose to get on. When you start talking about judging mm-hmm. in the scale modeling community, it's easy to get into a deep, dark argument yeah. in no time at all. And I'm just, I'm going to say right off the bat here that for all the years we've been doing this, that the NCC does a really, really good job doing what they do at the national convention. Um, it, it's, you know, the, the system is efficient and it does what it has to do. And those guys do a great job with it. I, I you know, it's, it's the IPMS system and it mm-hmm. works, it works for what we do in the situation that we're in on a Friday night at, at the Nets and they uh, you know, anybody can pick out an error in anything that you do and nobody ever, nobody ever claimed to be perfect at doing this, but I'm here to tell you that in 99% of the cases, when you're looking at the models on the table, they get it right. And they they pick the right first, second, and third out of each of those categories. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that the only thing that that most folks are asking for is that okay, when you get past that first, second, and third, yep. Um, the the rest of the guys in that category 
get nothing, literally. And it's it's one thing not to place, and and everybody, you know, nobody can be a winner every time. Mm-hmm. But I think what the real cry for from not just the membership, but people outside of IPMS mm-hmm. that, you know, one of their main beefs is, you know, it's a winner take all system and there's no feedback, you know, beyond if you got first, second or third, whether you, mm-hmm. you know, whether you had a, uh, uh, whether you had a model that met the criteria, so to speak, to place yeah. at the contest. Right. And so that's one of the things that that we're really trying to work on uh, at the local level in, in several clubs is what is an efficient medium to be able to judge a model and record the things that you find wrong with it in an efficient medium to get that feedback back to the mm-hmm. contestant. So he can use that information to be a better model to, f- yeah. to fix the mistakes. Absolutely. And that's that we, we all know that that's a really common uh, want out of the contest and and th- something that would genuinely help people whether you're a member or just a participant at the show right. for sure and it's and quite frankly that's not a uh, that's not an easy thing to make happen yeah. and my suspicion is it's not going to be an inexpensive thing to make happen uh, which is a consideration uh, you know we we have Folks within the society that are that are looking at uh, ways to do that right now, and it's yeah. as I said, it takes time, effort, and, and in some cases, money to make stuff like that happen. But my point is, again, we're we're looking into some of these things, and we're we're scratching the surface on some of it, just trying to figure out if it's a it's a viable thing we could do. Yeah. It, well, I, I mean, it must, it must be, it's just a, about, it's a matter of kind of how to execute it, right. And how to make it, is this, so is this one of the committee's um, goals? Like, uh, is it, is it something you're just looking at very peripherally or is it actually one of the main goals for to, to add feedback to the system? The contest Absolutely. System? Absolutely. Okay. We've got, uh, we've got plans after the convention to, uh, to work with the NCC to form some exploratory committees to look into these things. Okay. That'd be huge. And I think. it just, you know, we'll, we'll look at it. We'll see if we can make some of these things mesh with, with what we've got. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, we'll, we'll try to pick the best practices out of what we find out and uh, make some decisions on there as to, as to where it goes. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, I think that would be that would be a huge uh, that'd be a huge win, I think, for uh, contest attendees everywhere for sure. So, can I, since we're sort of on a topic there, I know you sort of we briefly talked about this, but switching from a one, two, three to a gold, silver, bronze is is that something that's being seriously looked at, or is it just kind of the usual? Uh, not not chat? at this stage, not yeah. at the stage of the game, Anthony. That's okay. You know, until we can get our ducks in a row. And and we feel comfortable that our judging is consistent right. uh, from category to category and class to class. Yeah. Uh, and 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 from show to show. Uh, yes, that's always a if, problem. You know, that's again, if if the membership decides that that's the direction that they want to go, mm-hmm. you know, the board is going to listen to the people that that. Uh, want to make things happen yeah right on 
yeah, I think that that's definitely something maybe we'll, uh, we'll come back to that topic at, a, at another date and we can uh, get into some nitty gritty about just uh, theoretically kind of how they work and, um, right. How, and, uh, and if, well, they, just, if they could work. Yeah. You have to recognize that there are some logistical challenges oh, to, sure. to, you know, to both ways of doing things. Yes. And again, we, we would rather focus on the knitting at this point yes. and make sure that the, that the criteria and the procedures and, and, you know, I mean, even, even things like uh, trying to make the, uh, the contest room environment as close to consistent from year to year to year as yeah. we can. Uh, we've been taking uh, uh, photometric lighting levels uh, at each of our contests, trying to figure out what's, what's the right, what's the right lumen level of lighting to be able oh, to, yeah. I mean, to effectively al- judge. Always know, an with, issue. <laughs> uh, and if, if it's not, you know, how do we level the playing field? If, if we, if we allow, uh, if we allow the judges to use some sort of supplemental lighting. Yeah. It, it has to be the same. You have to have yeah. the same apparatus for each team to be able to look at things. Otherwise it's not, it's not a level playing field from, from uh, category to category. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. So it's, like I say, it's, it's a, it's a complicated elephant to, oh, for sure. to try to chew up. And I think anyone who's done any judging, it's always chaos. It doesn't matter if it's a local show or something more on a, national scale like Wonderfest or the or IPMS Nats, it's always chaotic, right? And and certainly you can only as an executive, you can only really look at one problem at a time and sort of build on them. Right. And and you know the 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 fact of the matter is you you really at the end of the day uh at, at any given show or any given contest, you're at the mercy of who shows up. Yes. Uh yeah. to to help with the judging. Right. Uh, yeah some sometimes it goes great and you got a lot of good experienced judges and then mm-hmm. you know i can testify from a local standpoint that yeah. some days you just you don't have the right guys and and it's uh you know your check judges are just worn out by the end of the day because they got to go back and yes. you know, basically take folks <laughs> to school on you know are you sure this you know did you look at this right and and it's right. uh yeah, and it's, so it's an experience uh, level too, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so again, uh, the the whole effort is to try to make that component as consistent as we can make it yes. within reason, from from category to category, yeah. to in class to class, and from uh-huh. one year to the next, from show to show, so that people yeah. know what you know at mm-hmm. some point the consistency becomes something that you can expect. Yes. And I think Rob, you have your work cut out for you. And I think we'll all be very interested to see what you guys come up with in terms of that. And uh, I hope that we do have a chance to get together in the future to discuss a bit more, but why don't you tell us a bit more about some of the other things that the exec is working on? I know you've mentioned some sure, um, proposed sure. changes to the journal. Um, why don't you tell us about that? What are your plans right. for the journal? Well, there's there's no proposed changes just yet. We we will be uh, well we we will be putting some folks together to look at the okay. journal um, from the standpoint of 
uh, well, and you're probably going to hear a lot about, you're going to probably hear this term a lot from me uh, if, if you talk to me very many more times. And that is, in the school I came from, uh, most of the companies that I worked for, uh, we talked about uh, the quality process and um, how to uh, how to reduce the cost to your company of of things that didn't meet your quality expectations. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you have to do in that process is you have to define the requirements. Um, and so you know we'll be asking these teams to look at their at their individual areas of responsibility. So in the case of the journal, we'll be asking that, com- that that committee to look at the journal and, you know, what is the journal supposed to be? What are the requirements of it? It's, you know, it, it has evolved over the years from being basically a newsletter uh, to, to, you know, put down on paper what the goings on in the society are you know, what the contest coming up might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it progressed and it, and it became something where folks would send in uh, research material for other modelers to be able to use and a few pictures and here and there. Mm-hmm. And remember, this is back in the days of, of yeah. you know, typewriters and, 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 uh, early, Xerox, and yeah. er, early Xerox machines. And, you know, yeah. so it was, it was a lot of effort for, two or three guys to, to put that thing together and then mail it oh, out sure. to the, you know, what, maybe four or 500 members of the society back in the, in the sixties when this all started. And so, you know, just like our discussion last time, you fast forward ahead 60 years and my God, look at the differences in technology that we have to work with nowadays. Oh yeah. And so, uh, you know, the journal now is, um, uh, is you know we advertise we get you know a lot of the same folks that advertise in fine scale modeler and to me a model like magazine and and uh 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 afv modeler and you know all of the all of the slick uh european and and uh magazines and stuff mm-hmm. uh, but it's you know at that stage, I think we have to recognize that it's apples and oranges and that the intent of the journal is, is to be the, uh, it was the vehicle by which we let the society know what was going on right. at the national level. And so, so has it, that effectively, it's, it's a newsletter. And so, yeah. you know, we followed suit and we've got all these, uh, we've got all these, uh, uh, project uh, articles in there that you know h- here's my model and here's what I did to to do it um, and so you know when when it comes right down to it those are good models and they're from good people and they're good articles for what it is but it's not it's not meant to compete with uh, to me a model magazine on mm-hmm. you know just think of the sheer number of pictures uh, that are the difference between the two mediums. Uh, and so it's apples and oranges. So, you know, some of the questions that we probably need to ask ourselves is what is, you know, again, going back to the original premises to define the requirements, what, what is it that the journal really needs to do as the newsletter for IPMS USA? Right. 
Uh, and can we find a more cost-efficient way to, to do that? You know, mm -hmm. we've got this new wild apricot system that mm -hmm. can send out an email to all, you know, 4,500 to 5,000 members of IPMS in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. And so if, you know, if the, if the goal of the journal is to serve as a newsletter, uh, for, for the society, there isn't any reason that that can't be put together, say, once a month as a as a quick PDF, you know, right. 10 page document. So it sounds to me and emailed to the membership. You're, so you're again, questioning the relevancy of that format nowadays. Well, not necessarily the relevancy, no. but what is what is the purpose? What yeah. is the purpose and the and the requirements of 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 the IPMS journal as a newsletter for the society? So, you know, we're going to be asking those guys to ask those questions okay. of themselves. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't know Chris uh, Buckholtz very well. He's the editor of the, of the journal, but I, I can tell you he works his butt off oh, I'm sure he uh, does. To, to, yeah. to, to get that periodical out every couple of months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've reached out, told Chris, you know, what can we do to make your job easier and how can we help you uh, uh, do your job to, to, to do this? And so again, we'll have this, we'll, we'll have this group of folks and we'll, you know, they'll sit down and we'll, they'll evaluate this from one end to the other and come up with some recommendations on, you know, what's, what's the best way forward yeah. to, to keep the journal uh and make it more relevant and more useful for what it is that we need it to do. Yeah. I think I it sounds like you do have a, you're again, you're exploring kind of what's the role of this thing. And I remember having issues of uh, like, we have the Canadian version of it and you, you would have, it would have amazing people would send in like scale drawings of uh, conversions. Right. So it was all like people would do all the legwork and there was no other way of getting that. Nowadays, we have so many more options for research, right? right? Like a, right. any subject, any any category, you can find a ton of stuff just by going to Google. So right. I think you, you well, it, there's you some questions to ask, I guess about. Yeah, I mean, there's been there's yeah. been we we've chatted about it in in some of our local groups here and local clubs about, you know, it would would uh, would the journal be better served by highlighting you know, three or four contests, local club contests around the country yeah. uh, for each issue and, you know, getting some, some uh, well done photographs of the winners. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you don't have to get every first, second and third, but if you, if you publish the, uh, the best of, of class from each of those shows in a, yes. in a good quality photograph in the magazine, you know, that's good for everybody else in the society to see that work. But, and it's certainly a kudo to, to the builder of that model to have his model published in, in the IPMS journal as yeah, you know, makes sense. the best aircraft from whatever show. Yeah. Well, uh, so there's obviously so ideas. It's, it's, yeah. yeah we, we, there's, there's lots of questions, lots of things to consider. This kind of leads me uh, to, to wonder a little bit about the, uh, the SIGs, the special interest groups. Right. So um, that's something that's been, a, I think, a hot topic in, in terms of uh, you getting feedback from from the, the just online and from the membership and the, the modeling community at large. And uh, obviously, Facebook kind of fills in that role. 
Right. Um, so tell me a little bit your, uh, about the executive's plans for the SIGs. Why, how are they, you know, differentiated from just like a Facebook group that somebody randomly starts about, you know, uh, Sherman builders or right, so right. what's going on with that? Where it seems like that's kind of a, something very important to people. Uh, how does, how, how's the organization going to implement that? Sure. Well, I, I think that's a, that's an untapped resource for us. Uh, but, but to be perfectly blunt and answer your question, there's not really a whole lot going on with that today. Mm-hmm. That is something that we're going to, again, we're going to put together some explore to, uh, an exploratory committee to look at that yeah. and see what the, uh, uh, see what the right branches off of that should be. What we recognize is that, uh, what we have right now is basically just a listing of, of SIG groups that are active and or inactive on our on our website. And anybody can go there. They can look at the at the SIG page and see it's it's basically just a, a referral list. So oh, okay. if you're interested in if you're interested in, say, the Civil War, then here's a Civil War SIG group called Blue and Gray. And that's what these guys do. Here's the contact. Here's their Facebook page. Okay. Here's their website if they have one. So it's a directory. It's, it's basically a directory okay. at this right. point. Which is and useful. So, I mean, yeah, to right. connect with people. And so what, what our exploratory committees are going to have to look for are how do we take a SIG group and use it uh, to create uh, relationships with modelers? Uh, how can IPMS facilitate that? And um, if you know, if we're nothing more than a directory and a clearinghouse, that's one thing. But uh, what we're trying to figure out is how we can be in more involved in, in the bigger plan of SIGs. Uh, for instance, I think you're going to see uh, some some tables at the uh, 2024. Uh, national convention that are set up just for SIG groups to be able to show their models. It'll be a mm-hmm. a, a display area. It that's won't cool. be part of the. It won't be part of the competition. Yeah, uh, that's not to say that a SIG doesn't put forth a group build and enter mm-hmm. it into the competition as in in that category as as a group build to be judged. But if 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 the uh, if the show in the UK is an example, mm-hmm. then what we're looking, what we're what we're trying to consider is is there uh, is there a desire here in the states for SIG groups to come to the nationals from all over the country? You know, SIG groups have various members that are going to be in different places in the country. Of course, yeah. And how many of those guys will come? Uh, uh, to make a trip to the Nats with models to put on a table and, you know, you know, show off their, their wares as, as a SIG group, like they do in the UK. I think people would, uh, we, would we think they're yeah, yeah, interested it's, in that. It's our, our gut feel is there's, there's a pretty strong desire to be able to do that. Um, but again, we have to we got to do the homework and see how that plays out okay, before we formalize a lot of this process. Yeah. Um, so, boy, you guys are really almost from the ground up. It seems like investigating all these sort of uh, 
these different topics around sure and and there's being an you know, there's lots of there's lots of uh, there's lots of overlap between these things too yes because yeah. what you know what the sig groups might want to do at a convention uh, you know has to intermesh with the uh, the national convention steering committee so that they can plan for that stuff yeah four five six years into the future right and if you get a big sig presence we got to find bigger venues oh, perhaps, to be able yeah. to to hold this uh, to hold a convention which leads into a whole different set of questions about yeah. okay if logistics. we get a big yeah the logistics of it uh, what's affordable you know are are the members willing to pay you know i think right now it's a 55 to 65 dollar fee to attend the convention right if we if we go to bigger venues uh, with more folks Mm-hmm. We got up, you know, it, it, the cost of attending the convention might necessarily have to go up to, interesting, you know, a hundred or 125 bucks or whatever, you know, again, yeah. there's a lot of moving parts to all this that have to be right. considered. And I know um, um, I can think of a couple, um, I, I, I guess, essentially they're fundamentally SIG groups. For example, uh, the first one I'll give you is at Wonderfest. One of the themes was the, this year was the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. So just kind of a notable film. And there was a huge display in its own room. And it was uh, a bunch of people. I don't know how they attended that, but high level model builders that had this very impressive display of stuff related to that. So the Star Wars things, really interesting. It was a very, it was a highlight. People were coming to look at that. It was outside of the contest. And, it, you know, it was fantastic. We spent, I spent time looking at the stuff. Uh, another one that I noted is, uh, I think in Japan, they're called the VF Riders, and it's like a Macross building club. And I always see mm-hmm. their builds. It's always on a table at a show, and there's 50 different Valkyrie planes. And I've, you know, I'm attracted to that. I want to see what they were doing. And it's just, a, it's sure. a club. It's a, it's a little sure. mini club that does a display. We were just discussing about logistics of actually hosting this stuff, so it can be done. And I know one of your other um, things that you've been looking at is how to sort of streamline the contest since it moves from location to location. Right. So can you speak a little bit to what that challenge looks like for you guys? Cause it, it rotates between region every year. Well, it re- well, that's, uh, again, that's one of the things that the, uh, the convention steering committee is looking at and we're trying to get feedback from within the membership right now is years ago, the, uh, the society tried to stay on this East coast, West coast, central uh, national convention location. And as the convention grew in scope Mm -hmm. and cost and everything that goes along with it, um, it became increasingly difficult to convince local clubs and local chapters to put together a bid uh, to host the nationals because just the scope of the, of the whole, the whole convention has grown so much over the years that it's difficult to get a leadership team together within a local club to handle everything that has to be handled. It, it sounds impossible, Rob, like even um, getting a local show together is sometimes such a big is, task. Um, right. So you take that and magnify it, you know, yeah. to the scope of the nationals and, yeah. you know, and we, and 
I think we we recognize that now. So mm -hmm. we're encur encouraging um, uh, regional teams basically to explore putting on uh, the nationals. And uh, I know that's what we've done in Texas this year. We've got about four different club people from about four different clubs that have have uh, put forth folks that are on this leadership team to to put this. Uh, convention together this summer yeah and so you know recognizing that the ncsc is is trying to uh put the documentation together to make it easier for those groups to to bid and hold a convention um without reinventing the wheel every time you you do it you know it just there's we've we've taken a lot of the risk away from the local clubs number one financially the the local the local groups don't have to put out anything dollar wise other than the effort and what little bit they might have to to spend to put together their initial presentation to bid on the nats mm -hmm. um there's some soft costs i'm sure that are involved with that but uh yeah. you know we've got some good financial models for the convention as a whole and we've developed some fill-in-the-blank spreadsheets for, for uh, groups to be able to use to see if they can make the financial end of it work at the, uh, at the locations that they're proposing to use. Uh, it involves some close coordination with the, uh, with the folks at those venues to make sure that, yeah. uh, you know, that all the, the slots get filled in that financial model to, to be sure it works financially. Nobody wants to do this, and all of a sudden we realize we lost – you know, you lost a hundred thousand dollars trying to put on this convention. So, yeah. um, it's not rock and science, but it is. It's it's a lot of work, and it's and it can be very tedious, because again, there's gotten to be so many components of this thing. You know, you got to have a contest coordinator. You got to have a leader, of course. Uh, you got to have somebody to handle working with the venue. You have to have somebody that works with the vendors. Uh, you have to have yeah. a contest coordinator. You have to have somebody to do the awards and the merch and the T-shirts. And it's a year's and, worth of yeah, work. It's a, it's, right? It's, well, it's more than a year's worth yeah, of work. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 a couple of years worth of work at least by the time you bid it and then actually put it all together and do it. So we've we've tried to take and standardize a lot of that stuff at the national level and give give people a guidebook that makes sense right. so that that you don't you know, you, you try not to repeat mistakes. Is, yeah, is the yeah point. reinventing the wheel either. There, there should, exactly. It's been done before. It's a matter of just kind of uh, right. localizing it to so, a new place. So to circle back to the to the original question, if if we can, you know, in a perfect world, we could get back to this East Coast, West Coast, Central uh, National Convention location rotation so that the guys on the East Coast, I, think, I don't remember when the last convention was on the West Coast, but it it has been quite some time. Hmm. We've been in, you know, we've been in Vegas uh, mm -hmm. and Phoenix, which is as close as we've gotten to the West Coast in in, in what I can remember in my time going. Yeah. Uh, I remember that there was one at, in Anaheim, but I didn't get to go to that one. But it would be great to have a, a show actually on the on the West Coast uh again soon uh i i would dearly love to see it happen in seattle you know just a, 
a personal wish of mine to get up there and go to the those great museums that are up there. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the Boeing factory and, you know, all that's associated with that. And, and again, that's from an airplane guy's perspective. But, uh, you know, there's the problem is finding venues that are affordable for our we 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 require a huge amount of square footage. Yeah. Uh, uh, in in relation to the number of room nights that we have in the hotel, that I mean that's what those venues look at to pay for all this. Yes. Uh, so you you got to run the cost models and make sure it works before you can find stuff. And again, if we if we get into this mode where we're looking for for larger venues for larger conventions that need more square footage then obviously the cost has to go up. So, you know, we're going to be asking a lot of questions of the membership about, yeah. you know, what's the, where, where is our, where is our break-even point in putting all this stuff together? Are you willing to pay more? Are you willing to pay for more for a hotel room? Are you willing to pay more for your convention registration fee in order to get this extra square footage to do yeah. these other things? So it sounds you know, so much more difficult than uh, a convention that's held at a like a consistent city year to year in right. the same facility, like the same hotel. Um, right. It really does. Well, sound and, difficult. and so, again, in trying to listen to our membership, uh, the thought is, OK, so not everybody can go to the Nats every year because it's mm-hmm. frankly too expensive and too far to go. If you lived in, say, Virginia Beach and the convention is in the L.A. area. Yeah, that's yeah. a major trip to to plan for expense wise and, and oh, wow. logistically and all that. So uh, we, we've pondered the idea of, OK, what if we what if we could get the regions uh, on the East Coast to put together a a, uh, a regional show? call it an east coast regional show and Mm -hmm. and maybe it's maybe it's two or three regions get together and put a leadership team together to do uh for lack of a better way to describe it a mini nats right uh, on the east coast if if the if the nats is on the west coast uh so that you know those guys that can't get to the west coast have a major show to be able to go to that's more Mm -hmm. than just a a local show and contest yeah so if if you could put together a two-day show uh then involves an overnight trip and you get you know uh, a little jazzier with the with the contest and and some seminars and and some of that kind of stuff and people get a chance to get together and go to dinner on on uh, friday or saturday night or whatever um, again, we're we're very early in the discussion stages of a lot of that kind of stuff. But you know, again, we need feedback from the membership on those sorts of initiatives to see mm-hmm. whether there's a desire to uh, to do it in the first place. And then if that proves through true, then can we find people to volunteer to be That's in positions of leadership to yeah. put that stuff together? That's our, the hard one is finding a consistent, I'm guessing here, but that would be the most challenging component of, of trying to execute any plan is having the people, right. manpower, person power to, to do anything. Yeah, that's strictly long-term yeah. strategic thinking. You know, that's, that's yeah. years in the making. So 
a little some of the stuff that we're looking at that's a little more immediate are uh, we're, we figured out here recently and obviously that we need some sort of a social engagement committee. Now, is this uh, we, committee also going to be responsible for getting some of the feedback that you've been talking about, like getting sort of absolutely. quantifying some of the information or like the Abs- answers to these questions? Absolutely. We, we realized um, pretty obviously like a two by four up the side of the head in the last month or so <laughs> that, uh, that we've got to put forth a, a more effective presence on social media. Right. Um, and, you know, we're already there on Facebook, but it looks to me like we need some kind of reorganization of some of that stuff. And we need people to be able to do that. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're talking about putting together a social engagement committee that would somehow figure out how to establish and maintain these positive and effective presence on social media. Right. And if that's the case, then what would be relevant content? Um, does IPMS need to have a podcast? Does IPMS need to go into competition with the Plastic Posse and Scale Model Podcast and the Model Geeks and the Australian guys? You know, there's yeah. you know, there's all these great podcasts out there. There's enough podcasts, and yep. they're so good that I get pissed at myself because I can't listen to it all. Oh. Um, and and <laughs> I, I want to, of, you know, right, there, there's there a nowadays. lot of content out there. So if, if IPMS yeah. was to, to do a podcast, um, you know, maybe that plays off what we're trying to do with the journal. Uh, we make it something that uh, maybe it was once a month and uh, we pick some guys that, with good voices, good radio voices that can yeah. put something together. It just says, Hey, here's what's going on within IPMS USA this month. Uh, well, you're no, always welcome on SMP and- <laughs> to come and give an up, come on and, and give us an update of what you guys have been doing. We're, we're happy to and, hear and you know, to spread it, the word. We, we've we've had that suggested to us, on, uh, you know, to, to put forth a podcast. But again, you know, each What's of you guys point? has your own little niche of what it is that you do. And yeah. the last thing we need to do is go in and try to compete with uh, uh, with you guys and, and the posse and, and uh, Mojo right. for for content and so if it's just a fact-based here's what's going on maybe there's some credence to that i don't know but but again that's something that that these guys will talk about um yeah along that line what would what would an online youtube presence look like uh for ipms usa you know there's again it's what else is out there and and you don't want to uh you want to be respectful of the other content providers. Uh, so what what would IPMS have to offer on a YouTube channel? What what would the membership go to YouTube to see as as strictly IPMS content? Uh, a lot of questions about that. You know, there there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe like consider chapter meeting channels where you broadcast your social or your uh, excuse me, your chapter meeting right? on, on a YouTube channel. Uh, some folks have done that. Yeah. Uh, online build sessions. I certainly think there's, there's room for our reviewer core to, you know, step up the game a little bit and, and make some YouTube video based reviews uh, to, to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But again, that, 
that takes time, resources, yeah. and people. And some of those things are that. some of those things are already covered. Like you can get a lot of uh, like fine scale uh, modeler does their little <laughs> new product roundups, and you can get a lot of that stuff. So it it seems like that IPMS you're at a bit of a crossroads, right? You're trying to define right. redefine right. who you are in this new era of where social media is really right. kind of turning everything on right. its head. There's a ton of ideas there. We we yeah. we thought about maybe modeling event live feeds. Uh, there was some right. talk about doing a live feed of the award ceremony from San Marcos this summer. That's I don't think that I don't think that's gone anywhere, but it's certainly something that could be done. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe some sort of a, a seminar pay per view on YouTube or 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 some sort of mm-hmm. social media platform of our seminars that we do at the Nats. You know, but again, you you got to get cameras you got to get the infrastructure and people to do it yeah so you know uh along with that you know kind of along the line of the of of the national convention is you know we we need to we're going to look at at an industry relations committee okay Uh, we're going to reach out to the manufacturers and ask the question how can ipms help you Uh, can we help you well it's it's done in the past it's it's there it's there it it hasn't reached its potential. I think is is okay. the right way to say it. Mm. Um, you know, how can we work with the industry representatives to make the Nats and the vendor room a better experience for them? Well, how, you know, how can we help you? Well, let's face it; those guys are there to to sell product and make money. Yeah. So uh, how right. can we make that easier for you? What what is it we can do to make that a better experience for you to come to the Nats and sell your your products. Yeah. And not and I'm not talking about just the the Tamias and the and the Edwards and the you know the bigger like the smaller garage models, but I'm talking about the yeah the yeah. you know uh, uh the guy who has you know 10 things that he offers but he's trying to grow. He's found something and found a niche. Right. You know, how can we make it easier for you to participate yeah. and sell your stuff at the Nats? That's, and, that's and interesting. Be- and become more of a presence. Yeah, I know um, that uh, my my pal Sean, who currently handles the Super Saiyan blocks and has his own range of 3D modeling tool products, he he's he's exactly the kind of guy you're talking about. Can't afford to go to the big the big show. Like it's it's not a feasible thing. So yeah, I mean, there's an opportunity there to kind of. Uh, trickle down to like the smaller you know aftermarket accessory right. these small right. producers garage kit producers or whatever right. like that exactly. level of, of individual uh sellers but i mean that's some of that oh. some of that stuff is the coolest stuff right yeah we you know we'd love to revive the make and take program yeah uh but you know again what uh what manufacturer can afford to dump you know two or three hundred kits into uh, in into the pool for IPMS to, to yeah. give away to kids for free, you know, even oh, if I they're mean, even if they're snap yeah. type type yeah. kits, you know. So there's, there's lots got, there's, of examples. You know, yeah. There's a happy medium somehow that we could get to that. I think with a yeah. with a with a cost compensation or something like that. But again, these are things we're trying to talk about. Uh, yeah. If nothing else, we 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 can establish a a vehicle for dare I say, IPMS members to have a pipeline to the industry manufacturers to say, hey, here are the subjects we're looking at that we're interested in building that aren't currently offered. That's cool. People would love that. 
enough enough people say, hey, and a personal a personal uh, mission of mine is I I want a 48 scale HH3 Jolly Green Giant kit, a right. good kit, because uh, that's what my dad flew in Vietnam. Yeah. There isn't one. You know, the closest thing is the Hasegawa SH3 kit, which takes way more work, work than I'm capable of putting into it to, to make it happen. That, uh, I think again, that's something uh, that would be a hit with people. Um, sure. Um, a modeling education committee is something we're, we're, we're thinking about. We'd like to revive the ABC program to redevelop that adult build class with a, right. uh, a curriculum that can be passed down to the local clubs to teach guys how to build a, you know, you yeah. get a course outline built around a given kit. Right. Um, uh, youth outreach programs are, are an, you know, that's an absolute natural for us. Uh, but again, yeah. you got to find the people at the local level that are willing to do that yes. and go out and hold a class at a church or a Cub Scout group or whatever. Right. Well, it, so- it sounds like you guys have a lot of great ideas and it sounds like you're not sure which <laughs> Which direction? Because there's only so many, you know, hours in the day that you guys can right. develop on stuff. And you have a you have an amazing show. I think everyone can appreciate that. The Nats is a destination. It's an event that's on everyone's calendar. Um, but yeah, I think the future. It's almost sounds like you're you guys aren't quite sure what you want to do, but that it's wide open and there's a lot of possibility. Well, we like I said, we got lots of ideas yeah. and a lot of good ideas, but yes, you know, you don't want to just walk off under the into the weeds and start something. And the next thing you know, you're in the middle of a bunch of snakes. So yeah, uh, we, we've got to put the thought into it. We've got to yes. get the right people, got to get the right people involved and put them in, yeah. in, in the leadership positions to be able to take care of that stuff, which is why it's so important. Uh, I'll make this request again to everybody that's listening if you're an IPMS member, please use the power of your vote. Uh, we've, we've got the uh, e-board elections that are out right now. Yep. Everybody's running unopposed. So that's, you know. Wow. Our, that's not a but, good sign. But, but we, it, well, uh, it is arguably. what it is. And it, yeah. it, it, you know, I think the future will change that. But uh, yes. uh, vote. And we've got to get at least 10% of the membership to vote to make it a valid election. Right. Uh, and the other thing that is, at least to me, is more important is uh, the amendments to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, voting yes on that will allow us to uh, to put in place the structure that we need to to try to get some of these initiatives going and uh, to be able to delegate authority, responsibility and leadership to make these things happen. Absolutely. So listen, let's let's recap for listeners. So it sounds like sure. getting feedback from the actual members and also the general modeling community is really critical. So again, let people know, listeners know where can where should they be directing their input? The fastest and easiest way to get it to the e-board to consider is to send me an email mm-hmm. uh, to IPMS. SEC, that's IPMS SEC at IPMSUSA.org. Okay. That's right. that's my direct email address. And we'll put that in the I, show notes as well. I keep track of all of the emails that come in and 
if it's a if it's a good idea, I'm, I try to respond to everybody if I can. Uh, it's I'm a little tight for time right now, getting ready for the Nats, but uh, mm-hmm. but particularly after uh, uh, the next two or three weeks get get by and the smoke clears, um, you know, all the emails that come in, I look at them, I try to respond to them, I put them into a folder on the computer to be brought up at the next board meeting for consideration if you know a good idea so uh we're listening uh yeah we 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 want to do what you want so awesome now speaking of uh upcoming ads that's right around the corner remind everybody what's going on with that awesome show when it is where it is okay of course it's the ipms usa national convention this year's theme is come and make it uh, we've got lots of great seminars uh, on how to improve your skills uh, as a scale modeler. Uh, it's held from August 2nd through August 5th at the Embassy Suites and Convention Center in San Marcos, Texas. If you're flying in, uh, Austin is the better airport to come to. Of course, San Antonio is also there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little more convenient. Uh, drive-wise once you land from Austin than it is from San Antonio. It's usually cheaper to fly into Austin than it is into San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, look for the last-minute deals if you want to fly in. Yeah. Are, are, uh, there, are the rooms sold out yet? Or uh, the, rooms in the, the rooms in the embassy suites are sold out, but okay. get a hold of the hotel mm-hmm. and people are canceling. People that can't come are sure. canceling their rooms. So you know, we've we've got a, a short wait list uh, that Len's been trying to keep, but that's again the best way to get a room at the host hotel is to call the host hotel and ask them if there's rooms available for the nights that you want to go because yeah, cancellations happen no. every day. You never know. There's several second. There yeah. are rooms in in the area, and they're yeah. affordable. They're affordable. Uh, it's, you know, within two exits, either way from on I-35 from the convention center, uh, very reasonably priced rooms, um, if you've got a rental car or if you're driving. So there's, you know, there's plenty of rooms available, uh, within four or five miles either way of the, of the venue. Right on. I think it's going to be a heck of a show. Yeah. Come participate, get your fill of the best barbecue in the universe. Uh, (laughs) with, within, you know, within a 30 or 45 minute drive of the venue, it is, it's literally the center of the universe for, for Texas barbecue. There's probably 40, 50 really, really good barbecue establishments. If that's your thing. Oh, amazing. Uh, Yeah. I'll, I'll give a personal plug for the burnt bean in Seguin. It's 30 minutes South of the venue. It is by far the best barbecue I've ever eaten. And I'm a pretty shrewd judge of okay. barbecue. Well, there you so, go, well, listeners. You've got it straight from the horse's mouth. The best barbecue meal you're going to have while you're at Nats. So, of course, we we hope everyone uh, does get a chance to attend. We want to wish you guys best of luck with that from SMP. We are sure it's going to be a banger of a show. And uh, yeah, I hope to 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 make it out myself at one point. But we know you're going to have a great time, and it's going to going to be a big hit. So. We also want to thank you, Rob, for securing that sweet prize for us. So, listeners, sure. when you uh, you send in your whips and you, if you get lucky, then you'll be able to go to next year's Nats. So we appreciate that. And to the executive for uh, putting that motion through. 
And uh, but, but Rob, we're going to hear from you again, right? We're going to get together and talk about more judging nitty gritty, right? Sure. Uh, sometime in the future. Let the smoke clear from the nationals and uh, we'll, we'll talk models. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for spending all that time with us and kind of letting this pick your brain about what, what exactly has been going on. And it sounds like you have a lot of hard questions ahead of you, but it sounds like you're up for the, the task as well, Rob. So thank you for coming on. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, look forward to seeing everybody in San Marcos and uh, we'll talk again soon. Wonderful. Thank you. Have a good one. So what do you think listeners as a sci-fi modeler? Primarily I have always felt a little bit soured on IPMS, but you know, after speaking with Rob, I feel hopeful. Maybe good things are on the horizon. It seems like they really care about changing for the better and being more inclusive. One thing remains, they have a lot of work to do. So we'll all keep our eyes on that. All right, Anthony out. See you next time. Okay, great, great part two. All right, some things we've seen. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Monday night, on the seventh, uh, and a uh, little bit of a uh, things blown up. Things blow up at Facebook. Interview about with uh, IPMS to talk about uh, things blowing up from coming out of the Nats with respect yeah. to the shot of a judge who was picking up a model. Oh, well, picking goodness. not only picking up a model, but sticking it above his head Leaving using a phone as a flashlight. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, it's, there is. Triggered a real discussion, which is interesting because there's quite a few people who are basically saying, "Hey, you don't pick up my model. I, I mean, you, you could drop it, you could break it. What's the point of looking underneath it? All that stuff." Now, the IPMS uh, uh, U.S. rules for judging says that the judges can pick up models and look underneath it, and they're supposed to judge a three-dimensional model as being a full representation of the real three-dimensional vehicle. So they should be looking under it. They don't say it, but I think it's a given that you only do that if you're into a close call situation between mm -hmm. two comparable kits that have blown through all the other, you know, uh, uh, gates that you, you even have. Then, even then, even then, yeah. You, and the biggest issue to me, like, I could sort of understand some of the argument, but what I couldn't understand is why you do it without gloves on. And yeah. I, and, yeah. And that was and, a big thing. And there was know, a... There was several people commenting who were judges there at the judges meeting. Judges were specifically told not to pick up the models, period. Um, Interesting. And like Interesting. They, it would be chief judges that may have to do it and they would use gloves. Um, but apparently not ever, not all the judges made the meeting. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that particular judge did or not, but this is, you know, we're getting this as it's blowing up. Um, but, yep. I, you know, I think there's some interesting stuff there. And, um, you know, Carrie Trayer from IPMS Canada uh, put some comments on, too. And, you know, again, in theory, it's roughly the same in Canada, but it's always been an unwritten rule. So I think it's something we might, you know, nail down a bit for our local show. We'll yeah, no talk touchy. to the show committee. Yeah. Because yeah. 
you know, it's different when it's on a turntable or something like that. Um, and even yeah. then, we we absolutely hate when we, you know, during shows when you have splits of categories or you 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 know, one of the things I'm doing this weekend is I've got a I've got to send our chief judge a labeled floor plan of all the display tables so he can he can figure out roughly where the aircraft category begins, where the ship category begins, and we inevitably have to move things. And, you know, we try and do PA announcements and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's blown up quite quite a lot. And I believe the judge itself, he actually commented, too. I don't know if that he was did. necessarily a good idea on his part, but there you well, go. I think he came in to try and explain himself, and that's fire. That's fair. Yeah. He's entitled to do that. But uh, yeah. the bottom line was probably a mistake. Best he was told that. He was told right away, put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, he yeah. was corrected that behavior. Um, now I so, will speak. I will, I will give an example from my personal experience, very recent personal experience. Um, last week, my uh, week and a half ago, my mother and and brother were down for a few days and spending time with us. And my mother is 92 years old, and she wanted to read the article that I wrote for IPMS Canada's magazine about my my B50 B47 build. And then she wanted to see it, and then she wanted to hold it, and yeah, she broke the access door off just picking it up. <laughs> So, yeah, don't let people hold your models, people, but not even your mother, not even your mother, (laughs) your poor mother. To your point there earlier, Stu, about the um, having to shift. uh, I've been in that position um, where you're it's in the wrong category. It's a table away. And that is done uh, with purpose and intent to get yeah. it from point A to point B yeah. as as carefully and quickly as possible without, you know, being uh, rough with it, but waving it around in the air, like there's, you know, is that a, is that a two second thing? It, it's, it's too nebulous, right? Yeah. It's, it's just a mistake. Irrelevant. And, and yeah, irrelevant, and, and right? This, this was a tank. I mean, I can yeah. see if it was a truck or something where you see all the suspension and everything, but I mean, what can you see under the tank? The insides yeah. of the suspension, maybe. But, Every model that's put even there so by the builder, right, is intentionally yeah. they're displaying to you what they want to show off. Yeah. So it's I mean, I think and this was brought up in the interview I did with Rob. We talked about looking at the things on the table, right, that you you judge what's on the table, even even to keep it simple for the judges. Right. Like you don't need to make it more complicated by comparing bottoms that you can't see. Right. Yeah. You want you look at now. Wrote, let's let's say you have a model of a tank on a base, and you you know by the base you angle it so you can hey see the the backside or the other side. Hey, you're you're a careful, experienced yeah, judge. Yeah. I can see you're not lifting it off the table, right? Or you have to move it to get the information card. Out. Boy, that happens a lot when you're judging. You got to find out well who is this person so you can enter it into the the mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the form and whatnot. And you, you got to be really careful. Um, and if I could add one extra point um, uh, to Jeff earlier mentioned about, well, you have a close call. You've got two beautiful models. You're, you're almost stuck, right? I was recently in this position with uh, Ian, the head judge from Hamilton, uh, at the last Toronto show where we were trying to redo the category of uh, modern 48 scale uh, jets. And it was a split category that there were so many entries. And boy, there was a lot of good um there was a lot of good entries in that category it was basically the king of the categories right and it had to get broken up into nato and non-nato uh we were the second team asked to come and reassess the first team's 
Um, yeah. Uh, judge judgments. And it was, it was a little bit intense. And so we ended up looking at two CF 18s, very similar, I think maybe similar kits, uh, both at a very high level. And we were able to kind of ascertain which one would edge out the other. And I mean, edge out by the tiniest of yep. tiny hairs yep. because they were both so good. We were, we ended up just looking at it and looking at and almost going through, okay, we're looking at the left wing on this one, move over, look at the left wing on subject B. And then we noticed, all right, one guy had the, the missile attached to the pylon. It was, there was a slight gap, a, the slightest, a slight, like I'm talking yeah. about a 32nd yeah. of an inch yeah. weird yeah. angle compared to the other side of the plane. And the other mm. guy had all the ordnance perfect. So you can do your judging role by just looking at it and comparing and being methodically, you know, being methodical and working your way from like, you know, tip to tail or whatever. But that guy, that would drive me nuts. I'd be really cheesed off at that fellow. Well, I, one thing I would, I think we should say too, because we don't know the guy, we don't know the context. We've just seen the picture and every one of these judges is a volunteer. Nobody's paid for these positions. And they've, and so I, my guess is that it was done with, in, you know, with good intent, but it shouldn't have been done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to, he didn't break it. Right. Yeah. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> we would, I think, I'm sure we would have heard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We would have heard, I'm sure by now. Yeah. Now but, I, uh, should, yeah, yeah. I should point out our friends at on the bench, um, a couple, they, they did an episode, I think two weeks ago, where they actually had Ian on from IPMS Hamilton and the president of AMPS in the U.S. And they went through a really good discussion about nice. the differences in the judging systems. And it's well worth a listen. If you have any involvement or interest, that episode is 167. I'm going to throw it in the show notes. And it was a well worth a time to listen. You sending our listeners to a competitor? What the of hell? Of course I am. Of course, they send them, they send them to us too sometimes, you know. <laughs> You know, well, you know that that's that's not going to be the competitors are going to be sad when next year's Musaru is announced, right? Yeah, I know. Totally. How can they beat a a pink truck? They're not exactly. going to be able to beat a pink truck. I know what they're going to do. Um, okay. Also, speaking of naps, Nats, um, our good friend of the show, John Banani who's also on the executive, uh, he posted to Facebook, we just finished a fantastic national convention. It's great to share your experiences and important to provide feedback. So there are asking for feedback. It's I've put the Facebook link on. There's a very good one, but in particular, there's a post by a young man in his 20s named Jackson Stanton. And he has a huge list and some very good things. And some other people have said, uh, you know, excellent thoughts from a 20 something year old mauler whose build was in consideration for best armor. Pay attention to the thoughts of the future generation of the hobby and consider them instead of just instantly discounting like some already have. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, again, well worth a read. And if I know John, he'll make sure the rest of the IPMS board reads these comments. Um, yeah, very, very good. Yeah. So. Well worth well worth looking and, at, and, that. and so does Rob Booth. I know that he's been very uh, active in oh, yeah. reviewing, reviewing, uh, you know, and and actually garnering uh, feedback about things so they can make informed decisions about going forward and 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 doing a better job. That's what they're really exactly what they're after. I, I should also point out they finally did table risers this year. 
but our good mm -hmm. friends at IPMS Hamilton did it first. Just you know, <laughs> awesome. Just going to throw that out there. We're going to we're going to be doing it too. Okay, um, and Terry, you put in the X. A XF85 Goblin video. Yep, I see. I put a yep. Uh, yep a YouTube link to an XP85 Goblin. All yep. right, there you go. Uh, 1948. So, 1948. <laughs> God, so long ago. Awesome. So we're also sponsored by our good friends at Return to Kit Form. You want stuff to do with Gundam or Macross and Mass and stuff like that? Check them out. I know Anthony's got an order, and I I've got one or two items piggybacked on that, according to uh, Brett. He's throwing a yes. few things in for me on, on that order there, Anthony. So yeah. always, always good fun. Great stuff. Make sure you check them out at return. The number two kitform.com. Uh, more modeling podcast. Goodness. Check out the other modeling podcasts at modelpodcast.com. You know, what's funny. We added two more when I was on the call with, uh, James and Malcolm at Just Making Conversation, uh, two guys in the chats, two new podcasts asked if they could join our little our little consortium. Uh, so we have added them. You have the AM show and the Modeling Insanity podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, and they both sound like a lot of fun. So they're on the list now. I believe right there's 12 now, 12 or 13 different podcasts. That, and there's more out wow. there. They just haven't chosen, you know, to join us, group of the cool kids, right? All right. I think that's it, guys. Anything else from anyone? Anyone? I don't think so. Bueller? Bueller? All right. Yeah, we'll do our no. standard no? sign off. Terry, Terry will go. be last. Anthony, you'll be after Jeff. So for this that's episode good. 123, my name is Stuart Clark. I'm Jeff Hyland. I'm Anthony Goodman. And I'm Terry Measley reminding you that it's summertime. Don't even bother to try. Don't even bother to stay focused. <laughs> Don't even bother to try to say. I, I like can't it. even get it out. See, yeah, he's not focused. To do that. He's I've not lost focused. my focus. That's all right. <laughs> womp, thank, womp, womp. Thank you and be well.